your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Fly ball into deep left center. It's at the wall. Gone! Dylan Carlson, home run number 17. His 52nd extra base hit in his rookie season to tie Stan the man and what he did in his rookie year. Carlson hits it into deep right and his second home run. Dylan Carlson, home run number 18. He's homered from both sides of the plate. What a talent. Big time day for Dylan Carlson. The rookie passed Stan Musial for the most extra base hits in a rookie season by any Cardinal ever. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Dylan Carlson is the type of X factor that the Cardinals are going to need in October. The the postseason's probably going to con- come down. To what you get out of the two through four hitters, what you get out of Goldie, Arenado, and O'Neill. Those three guys are your three most important hitters in the postseason, just the same as they were in the regular season. But you need more than that. Just like to win 17 straight games, you needed basically your entire 26 man roster. In order to go on a run in the postseason, you're going to need pretty close to your entire 26-man roster. And Alex, one of the most important pieces to all of that is Dylan Carlson, the rookie outfielder who in his last 25 games is now slugging over 500 and in his last eight games has two doubles, a triple, and three home runs. This is the way that you'd want to see him playing going into the postseason. Am I allowed to uh, pump T-Bone and I's Horn oh, a little bit here. Pump our horn. Can we toot toot a little bit here? Because oh, yeah. when you were out, T-Bone and I did say two guys that are going to be important for this run are going to be Tommy Etman and Dylan Carlson. And lo and behold, those two guys found a way to turn it on. Now, look, they weren't the most important players because you still needed Paul Goldschmidt some to people, be MVP. Some people here may say John Lester. I'm not going to say who, but some. Um, I'd like to know who that is. Is it? Is it? Was John yeah, Lester not important down the stretch? Was he not? Is know, John Lester not in play to start game one of the NLDS? I, I mean, look. Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. He was pretty important down the sure. stretch, I would say. Sure, if you want to go that route. But regardless, like you still needed your big three. But Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson were crucial. And more so Dylan Carlson in these last few games. And I'm really looking at yesterday because we talked about it. Like, you don't want to lose a game and then get back into that old habit, right? Of wondering where the offense is going to come from. Dylan Carlson comes through for this team. 
I think it says a lot about this Cardinals team because I can go through a list of six, seven, eight different X factors for a one game wild card or an NLDS, but you're right. Or the World Series. Or well, let's get past the NLDS first, buddy. Let's get past the wild card first, buddy. It's a foregone conclusion. For oh, some is of us. it? Sorry, I forgot oh, we put. Oh I forgot we put money that down was, on it. That was the ultimate BKO. We're no, still there. No, no. Is there a song for BKOs? Maybe no. we should come up with one. No, we don't need to we do that. We should play John Not Cena's. I don't remember what it's called. Did you say John Cena's? <laughs> That's gonna be my song. That's his song. Yeah, here comes the BKO, BKO song. <laughs> Look, regardless though, Carlson like could it's be the Stone Cold Steve Austin intro- introductory. No, that is not it at all. The crash. It's the glass breaking. Yeah. It's not a crash. Okay. Well, how, yes. Cool. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. He's singing songs from John Cena, and I'm like, where's that even coming from, T-Bone? Dylan X Carlson factors. can be the X Factor, but I think there's six or seven other guys that can be X Factors for this team because that's the uphill battle that they have in a one-game wild card. Yeah, Carlson can be the X Factor, and the thing that's so great about him is the switch hitting ability, and he's... And he, you can't really match up with him very well. And he looks comfortable from both sides. Sure, the numbers show that he's better on one side than the other. But you expect that from a switch hitter. But he looks he looks comfortable on both sides. So that's why I kind of view him as the X Factor is you can't really match up with him. You can go to a lefty, but then he you can't really get left on left. And he handles both sides of the play pretty well. He homered yesterday from both the right and left. He's the first rookie in NL American League history to, I believe it's hit a home run from both sides of the plate in two games, wow. which is really impressive. Yeah, that's an amazing statistic. Um, he's one of the guys that I'm watching. What? What? You weren't Don't, impressed? No, the way he said it. Wow. That's an amazing statistic. I'm serious. He already heard that's it. That's legit. No, that's legitimately <laughs> unbelievable that I, I had not heard that. It's, it was just the excitement surprise. that you had behind it. Wow. That's an amazing statistic. I, I apologize. Like one of these. Take two. Oh, wow, T-Bone. That's an amazing <laughs> statistic. Take two. T-Bone, that's unbelievable. I had never heard of that. That's, That's one of the most improbable, incredible things I've ever heard. <laughs> Dylan Carlson did something that's never been done before. That's amazing. All right. He's one of the guys Six. that I'm watching for coming up this weekend. There are others, though, Alex. And you there mentioned. Are? Yeah. There are a lot of questions that we still need answered. This is kind of wild that the Cardinals have now been secured, clinched their playoff berth for five games or the five games prior to the postseason. And yet there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered in terms of who's going to be on the roster for the postseason and what their roles are going to be once they get there. So Michael Gersh was asked on Bally Sports Midwest prior to the game yesterday about a couple of those guys, in particular, Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. What are their roles going to be going into the playoffs? Um, He has experience pitching out of the bullpen, though he hasn't as part of the, the rehab from Tommy John, he has not done back-to-back games or anything like that. So similarly, we're going to probably try to keep him stretched out here. He'll have a, likely have a role in the playoffs, but it, it, sort of, it depends on how, how things go and what things look like. And that wild-card roster, you can set a roster for only one game, which is very different than setting a roster for a series. So who's on which roster and how that all plays out? It's sort of weird to not really know five days before the season ends, but we're just at a point where we got a lot of balls in the air to sort through. So tonight, you've got Dakota Hudson on the mound as your starter. And he's somebody that I'm really honing in on. I said earlier today on the Danny Mac show, Alex, I think there are two scenarios that you could see Dakota Hudson in the early portions of the postseason for the Cardinals. Option one, he's a guy that piggybacks Adam Wainwright. If Wainwright is not as good as you expect him to be in the wild card round, 
you could see Dakota Hudson come in in the third or fourth inning, give you a couple of strong innings of work and then pitch again in the NLTS. But I think that's option one uh, scenario two. You don't end up needing him for the wild card game. He's available, but not needed. Wayno gives you a good start. You get to the back end of your bullpen. Boom. You're ready to go to the NLDS. I could see a scenario in which Hudson is starting game one or two of the NLDS. I really could. He's been that good for you so far. And as a ground ball pitcher, he's the type of guy that I would want on the mound. So Dakota Hudson, we mentioned it for Dylan Carlson. He's also an X factor to get a guy like this back who you've said all year. You think he could be their legit number two starter. It's kind of been that since he's returned from the injured list. He's a guy that I think could have a huge contribution to what the Cardinals do, both in the wild card game and then into the NLDS. Yeah, I'm really intrigued of what they're going to use him as because I don't know if I would use him as a starter, at least at the beginning. Like, I think I'd still go John Lester as my number two, number one starter in the NLDS. If you get there, Dakota Hudson, and look, he could be used in any role, but I think he's going to be so useful out of the bullpen for you. Because if you get into a jam, and we when we spoke with um, yesterday, who am I blanking on? Um, Brian Price. Price. Thank you. Brain fart. Sorry. It's cool, man. Quick morning. When he talked yesterday about how that first inning is the toughest inning to get through. And if you get shellacked in the first inning where you've given up two runs and you got two guys on, I think I'd be going to Dakota Hudson before anybody else in my bullpen because he could get out of that jam and then he could give you two or three more innings to kind of get you back on track. So as much as I would love to see Dakota Hudson start for me in the NLDS, I think I would stick with him as a bullpen guy because he is just my break glass in case of emergencies piece. I think I've got my four man rotation set at this point. And you can determine where you want these guys to be figured out. Two through four is basically interchangeable in terms of the ranking for me, at least. But I think my four guys would be Wayno, Michaelis, Hudson and Lester. I think that would be my four man rotation going into the postseason. And then you can work your way around depending on matchups, who you like to be where. But I think I'd be starting Dakota Hudson in the postseason, depending on if he's needed. I would use him out of the bullpen in the wild card game if you need him in that spot. And then maybe that changes some things. And maybe he's coming out of the bullpen in the NLDS. But if you don't need him in that wild card game, I do think he, for me, would be one of my starters in the NLDS. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. If I need him in the wildcard game, I'll go to him. If not, I want him to be a starter in the NLDS. I think he's maybe my fourth starter in the NLDS, so maybe game three or game four is kind of in that area where I'm looking for him. I am very curious to see what he looks like tonight because he's on a pitch limit. 70 to 75 is what it sounds like the Cardinals are going to shoot for for Dakota Hudson. So I want to know how efficient he is. I I think that's going to be a big factor tonight to determine what they're going to do with him heading into the postseason is how efficient can he be? Only 70, 75 pitches. Can he give us a solid? You probably only need four or five innings in the postseason from him, even tonight, four or five innings because you got most of your guys pretty much available, I'd say. So I'm very curious to see what he is tonight, but I think he is a starter moving forward. So the other question for the weekend is the injury questions about Yadier Molina and Edmundo Sosa. Are those guys going to be at or near 100% when you get to the wild card game five days from now? Here's what Michael Gersh had to say yesterday with an update on Valley Sports Midwest. Sosa and, and Yadi look like they should be fine uh, and getting games sometime over the weekend. And as long as they can get in a game, get some of the bats and feel good about it, they got a couple days then off, you know, Monday and Tuesday. So we expect them to be available on Wednesday. But until they actually go out there and, and participate and, and actually, you know, play a game and come in the next morning and say, yeah, I feel like I can play again today. Until we have that for certain, it's that there's a little uncertainty there. I'm hopeful. 
I'm cautiously optimistic, Alex. I think Yachty's going to be fine. We know he's a gamer. He's going to be out there. And I'm not saying that Mundo Sosa's not, but Yachty's injury has been designated as like a, a sore shoulder. He was scratched right before a game. They thought he could go, and then they were probably like, you know what? Let's be cautious with this. There's no reason to push him when we've already clinched. Sosa's is different. When he got hit in the hand, I thought he was done for the year. I thought that was going to be a fracture, and we would not see Edmundo Sosa again for the Cardinals after that Friday uh, day game out at Wrigley. I don't know what to expect from him this weekend, but those are the two biggest questions for me position player-wise going into the weekend is, what are you able to get out of Yachty, and what are you able to get out of Edmundo Sosa? I'm really hopeful that they can get at least two starts out of both of them in this three-game series against Chicago. Yeah, I think for Yachty, I'm with you. I'm not concerned. Yachty doesn't need to swing the bat for me to be like, oh, he's not ready to play. Like, when he's ready, he's ready, and he'll be Yachty. Edmundo Sosa is the one that if I don't see him at all this weekend, which they've said we're going to, but if I don't see him at all, it's hard for me to believe he's going to be available Wednesday for you. And I know he could hit in BP and, you know, he could hit in the cages and he's got to play. That, he's I mean, got to play, play this He's weekend. got to face real life pitching from an opponent before I can sit here and be like, yeah, Mundo Sosa's playing Wednesday. Cause if he doesn't, I'm not starting him Wednesday. Well, no, the expectation is he's going to play this weekend. And then the question is, how does he respond to that? You know, I need to see him in back-to-back games. That way I could kind of tell how he responds. But if it's whether it's Saturday, Sunday or tonight and tomorrow, that's how I want to see Edmundo Sosa. Even if he, that way he can kind of get timing back too. If he plays Friday and then he plays Sunday, then things get a little more difficult for me to decide. If he's only in one game, say he plays Sunday, to me you got to turn to Paul DeYoung. Unless Sosa looks incredible in his one game. Last series of the season, Cardinals versus Cubs here in St. Louis. You've got Dakota Hudson on the mound getting the start tonight. John Lester is your announced starter for tomorrow. He's another big guy that I'm going to be watching closely. He was hurt. I wouldn't say injured, hurt in his last start. So let's see how effective he is tomorrow against the Cubs. And then a Sunday day game with Jake Woodford on the mound for the Cardinals before they get set for the postseason. And we will have all of the reaction on Monday morning right here on 101 ESPN. We'll be covering everything throughout the day here today as well. It is 1115. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals have announced a press conference for two o'clock. We do not know what that press conference Ooh, is for. I enjoy a good mystery. If I had to speculate. I would guess that it is related to Adam Wainwright's contractual status. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He has said he's going to pitch next year. The Cardinals have said publicly and privately that they are confident they can get that done and that the negotiations will not be difficult. So if I had to guess leading into the final weekend, that would be what makes the most sense. But we'll try to find out more about that throughout the day today. And if we hear anything, we will let you know what the latest update is. Coming up next, though, speaking of contracts, Is Luis Garcia a guy that you're going to want to keep around long-term? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Finally set. Can he end it here? Swing and a miss. Ball gets away from Kisner. He'll tag long, and the Cardinals take two of three. 
That was Luis Garcia's final pitch last night. The Cardinals are now in a good spot with Luis Garcia because in his last 30 games, opposing hitters are batting just 171 against him. That is good for a 115 ERA in that 30-game stretch. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Alex, Luis Garcia is making himself some money this year because he is a guy that in his career has had some ups and downs. And for the majority of his career, it's been more downs than ups, honestly. But he ditched the four-seam fastball. He went to a sinker ball. He's throwing at 98 to 100 miles per hour. And now you look at him as a 35-year-old pitcher next year. He is exactly what a whole heck of a lot of teams could use at the back end of their bullpen. What do you think his future is? First of all, in the postseason, he's going to be a huge weapon for what the Cardinals are trying to accomplish. But moving forward from there, is he the type of guy that you would want to re-sign if you're the Cardinals going into next season? No, he's not. Because I think he's outpriced himself already for this Cardinals team. For the age and for what he's done this season, I think it's a one-and-done type of year for Luis Garcia. I mean, you're 35 years old. He's been a phenomenal pickup for this team, BK. But on top of it, what he has done since that blow up against the Chicago Cubs, you also look at it and think he's thinking, I'm 35 years old. I'm not going to get a better payday than what I'm going to be getting with this upcoming offseason. And I think the Cardinals showed their showed their success with finding Luis Garcia, right? Like you can find these guys for pretty cheap. So, I mean, if we're talking a million dollars for Luis Garcia, yeah, I'd bring him back. But if we're talking anything more than that, I don't think I'm bringing him back. Tanner, is Luis Garcia a guy that you would be interested in bringing back next year? I would be. At the right price for a one-year deal, I'd be interested in bringing him back just because he's been effective here in St. Louis. And to me, I know if you look at his career, he's he's been inconsistent. You look at you look at the past, and there's some bad, there's some good. But to me, if there's a guy that's had success here in St. Louis and behind this defense, I think he just fits perfectly. And for some reason, it clicked here in St. Louis, and I don't think that would change heading into next year. So I would be willing to bring him back. I would want him back, but I would specifically want him back on a one-year deal. And I would want him back on something less than $5 million. If that's what you're able to get him for, I'm in. Sign me up. I'm down for that. Anything more than that, though, and I'm out. Because 2021 Luis Garcia, the guy that we've watched this year, is why I'm not paying 2022 Luis Garcia. You can find these guys, as Alex mentioned. And you've got to make some tweaks. You've got to bet on the talent. And you've got to work really hard to find them. You've got to churn through that talent, both in the minors and in the big leagues. But Luis Garcia was not a good player before he got to St. Louis. He was cut by the Yankees from their AAA team. They deemed to have deemed him to have zero value, both to their AAA squad and their major league squad. Well, the Cardinals made an adjustment. They went from him throwing about 40% four-seam fastballs to about 60% sinker balls. He completely ditched the four-seamer, which was getting crushed by opposing hitters. And now opposing hitters are batting just 210 against a sinker. They can't hit it. He's been really effective with it this year. They were batting 350 against his four-seam. Well, that seems pretty obvious. Let's get rid of that. Let's use the sinker that you're throwing 98 to 100 miles an hour. And let's see if you can get some ground balls in front of this defense. It's worked. Next year, in front of this defense, they could find somebody else that throws a heavy sinker, that is able to get a lot of ground balls, and in front of this defense in particular, they're going to be super effective. So if he's going to cost a ton of money, if somebody's going to overpay for 35-year-old version of Luis Garcia, I'm good with letting him walk. 
But if he's going to come in under that $5 million and he's like, you know what? I'm 35. I've got a great defense behind me. I'm in a really good situation with coaches that helped me get to the best form that I've been at any point in my career. Then, yeah, he's the type of guy that I would definitely want around next year. But it's it's going to come down to what he's looking for in the offseason. It's not just Luis Garcia, the sample size of knowing that the Cardinals can do this without having to pay a lot for pitchers. It's the other guys. It's TJ McFarland. It's Wade LeBlanc. It's Jay Happ. It's John Lester. You can yeah. find cheap options on the market without having to pay somebody for a awesome year. What this really reminds me of is Pat Neshek when he signed with the Cardinals and he had that great year and then got the big payday and went elsewhere and struggled. Same with Edward Edward. Mojica with the Cardinals here like he had 2013 where he was unreal went to Boston got paid and struggled so I just don't think you want to get into a situation where you pay a guy for what he's done in half of a season and say man he's a part of our future I think the the future for the Cardinals bullpen is find guys who can throw strikes for cheap with this defense behind you yeah that's that's the thing what you're describing Alex is just relievers like relievers break and relievers go up and down and up and down Greg Holland was the best reliever in baseball then he signed with the Cardinals he stunk for three months and then he became a really good reliever again and then he started going to through the downward cycle Wade Davis was unhittable in those runs by the Royals in 2014 and 2015 And then he went out to Colorado and became one of the least effective relievers in the game. This happens a lot. We can look at it right now. Look at the Cardinals bullpen. They signed Andrew Miller for the role that TJ McFarland is currently filling for them. TJ McFarland is what they wanted Andrew Miller to be. And they paid Andrew Miller, what, $9 million per year over a multi-year contract as a reliever to be that guy? That's why you don't sign those players in your bullpen. So if you're going to get him, and I've got a, we've got a few texts. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line uh, to get involved in the show. We've got a few texts that are saying he won't resign for anything less than a one year deal. If that is the case, then you don't need to resign him. Like Luis Garcia is a good player, a good pitcher that has changed things around, and he has found something for him. But if he's going to be a multi year contract at five plus million dollars per year. I hope I wish him all the success in the world elsewhere. That that's not the type of guy that I think that this team needs to resign, especially when you're potentially going to get Jordan Hicks back next year. If Jordan Hicks can be himself again next season, well, then what you're looking at is basically next year's version of Luis Garcia, and I, he's currently on the roster for cheap. I think my my like range for him would be one year, five to eight million. I, I think that's about You'd where be I would go. To go that high. Wow. I, I think so. I. I just think he'd be so effective here in St. Louis still. I, I th- understand the point of, you know, Pat Neshek, he went elsewhere and he struggled. I just think for some reason here it's clicked, and I think it will continue to click for another year, and that's why I'm willing to do it. And my pushback is I agree you can always find these guys, but there's a lot of teams that have tried this too, and it hasn't worked. Look at the Philadelphia Phillies. They tried to fix their bullpen. They couldn't do it, and they tried it at the deadline too. So, And I don't want to rely on Jordan Hicks either coming out of the pin. Same with kind of Alex Reyes because I don't know if he's going to be a starter or not. So, I would be willing to bring him back for one. That's probably why my range is a little higher, up to that $8 million. But I think it's – I understand the point of you can find these guys, but I think it's a lot harder than it, the Cardinals front office made it seem to be this year. I think if I'm paying somebody 5 to $8 million, I'm going to look for somebody who's got a little bit better of a track record than Luis Garcia – uh, for that amount of money, I, I need somebody whose baseball card has done it on a consistent basis rather than just half of a season with a team. I will say we've seen him do it here, and there's value in that. You've seen him specifically do it with this coaching staff. He responded well and in front of this defense, and there's value in that. 
but you're also getting Ryan Helsley back potentially you, you would assume next year as well and if Cody Whitley so, stays healthy he's a full season for you yeah Whitley Helsley you've got Gallegos Cabrera and Reyes if he ends up back in the bullpen uh we'll see on Jordan Hicks it's a good point uh Tanner you don't want to count on something that you don't know if he's going to be back or not but this team has Angel Rondon, who they're they're pretty high on down in the minors. They've got a couple other fireballers that we could see maybe next year. You're getting up in numbers in terms of the number of players that could potentially help you from the back end of the bullpen. Again, I like Luis Garcia. I would like to see him back next year, and he's going to be a huge piece of what they're trying to do in the postseason. But if he's going to cost a lot of money, if you're talking 5 to $8 million, especially if it's a multi-year deal, that's something that I would balk at and I would let him go elsewhere. Cardinals press conference today is probably going to be Luis Garcia 5 by 5 extension. Hey, we're signing Luis Garcia to a 5-year, $25 million contract. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up at about 15 minutes or so, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. But coming up next, Ned Yost was the manager for the Royals when they went to the 2014 wild card game. What was the process of preparing for that game? How do you prepare for it as a manager? And does he agree that this Cardinals team reminds him a little bit of that 2014 team? We'll ask Ned Yost, the former Royals manager, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie, former Royals and Brewers manager Ned Yost joining us now via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. He did ro- manage the Royals in that memorable 2014 wild card game. He managed them for the 2015 World Series champion Royals as well. Ned joining us now on 101 ESPN. Ned, we appreciate the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Exciting time in St. Louis, I know. Man, to say the least, it's been incredible to watch. Ned, I'm from Kansas City, and I was in KC in that 2014 run that you guys went on, especially in the second half. I remember for a lot of fans, they were frustrated by the lack of trades at the deadline, and then that memorable run took place all the way into the World Series. Does this remind you what we're watching right now in St. Louis? Does it remind you at all what you guys were able to do in 2014? A little bit, you know, um, it, you know, it's just a real exciting time. And, you know, it went from, I think, some frustration in St. Louis. You could you could tell, as a matter of fact, I think you guys wanted me to come on the show about a month ago or uh, six weeks ago, wanting to know when a team looks like they're about to turn around. And, uh, you know, th- th- those are, that's hard to tell, you know. But when you have talent like you have on that team, when you've got – uh, outstanding manager, outstanding coaches, that sooner or later that talent's going to rise to the top. And it, it, there was a lot of frustration there early, but, you know, the last three weeks, the last month, it's been unbelievable. The the the, uh, the winning streak that they put together to, you know, get them into the wild card and, and then to get them to clinch the wild card, uh, it, it, it's all kind of the same. The excitement that's generated is, uh, is all the same. And, uh, you know, this is a great time of year. This is a time where, you know, you go into spring training looking for this time of the year. You want to be in these situations. You want to be 
uh, in the playoffs because that's where, you know, it's tremendously exciting, not only for the team, but for the city too. Ned, the Cardinals have three more games before this wild card starts up on Wednesday. From a manager's perspective, you've been in this position before. How do you keep your guys engaged in the final few games before that actual wild card games begins? Because you want to make sure that they're ready to go when that wild card starts. Yeah, and they will be. You know, for us, I think in 15, it was a little bit tougher because, you know, we had gone to the World Series in 14 and we fought, right? I mean, when we went into in, in 14, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know if we were going to be the second wild card. We didn't know if we were going to be uh, the first wild card, which had home field advantage. We didn't know if we were going to win our division. We ended up losing the division by one game at the end. So, um, you know, we were we were looking at all these different scenarios. But in 15, when we won, our team was tremendously uh, confident. And going into the last three games in Minnesota, you know, these guys kind of wanted to get playoff geared. But my mindset was, hey, I want home field advantage because we were going to play Toronto, and I didn't want to go to Toronto <laughs> four times. I wanted to play Toronto three times up there, one trip, not two. So to try to, you know, maintain that focus was, you know, it was a little bit tougher to do because they were chomping at the bit. They wanted those playoffs to start. But, you know, they played it out to the end, and we ended up winning home field advantage, and the rest is kind of history. Went on a great run to win the world championship. Ned Yost, former Royals and Brewers manager, joining us here on 101 ESPN 2015 World Series champion. And, Ned, when you're in this spot and you're preparing for that wild card game scenario like you did back in 2014, what are some of the conversations that are taking place with the coaching staff, especially regarding pitching? Because that game is just so much different. It's one game and you're able to winner goes home or winner goes on loser goes home. What are the conversations leading up to that game? Like when it comes to the pitching decisions that you could potentially have to make, we start, we started talking about uh, the different scenarios that uh, we were going to have to face about a month out. So, I mean, we would, we would have five or six conversations a week as a staff, on how we were going to try. Okay, if Oakland was the team, if we had to do a one-game playoff against uh, Detroit, if we were tied for the division, um, you know, if we had to go play Baltimore or Anaheim, uh, you know, what what are we going to do against these certain teams? That's a little bit easier, you know, when you have a five-game series, you got a little more of a safety net, if you will. But a one-one, uh, that one-run game is. Uh, you know, that's the game where we broke it down, started breaking that one, that one, that one game, that wild card game about a month out. And we started going over all of our pitching. Who do we want to set up to be the starter for that game? You know, we knew at that time we had a phenomenal bullpen. We had Greg Holland, uh, you know, as our closer, Wade Davis as the eighth inning, you know, Luke Hochaver, uh, Ryan Matson. Uh, you know, these guys were all phenomenal. Uh, you know, big league pitchers and our bullpen, Kelvin Herrera, we were just locked down. So our big issues were the fifth and sixth inning. So we started talking about, you know, okay, what are we going to do if we get into a situation uh, in a one game playoff where it's a do or die, we must win. How are we going to try to, how are we going to try to, you know, maintain that and what's going to give us the best opportunity. And there was extensive conversations about, uh, you know, how we were going to, how we were going to handle the pitching staff in those situations. Ned, kind of piggybacking off of that thought, what's the toughest part from a manager's perspective in a one-game wild card? Like, what's the toughest part to manage in that one-game wild card? 
Well, I mean, it, 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 of course, you know, you, 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 you can't see into the future, um, and you, you just have to manage the game. And going into it, for me, we, the Royals hadn't been – the Royals hadn't been in the playoffs in 25 years. So for me, I didn't feel like, you know, the wild card for me now, you know, what was a, a playoff scenario. I felt like we had to win that game to get into a five game series. That would feel like the playoffs for me. So, you know, I think we kind of put a little extra added pressure, but again, it's like everything else. You manage the game, the players go out and play and you hopefully put them all in a position to uh, you know, be successful, but you line up your bullpen with your matchups, and so it, it, you know, there's times where you know, you if you got to go to the bullpen, if you got to go to the bullpen in the third inning or the fourth inning, you do it, you know, because you just never know what the situation's going to be. It's a it's a one game, one game shootout, and uh, you take your best shot and have your best arm out there and your your strongest arm out there uh, uh, every time you have, and try to take advantage of every matchup because you know there's no tomorrow. Ned Yost is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Hey, Ned, I wanted to ask you about the way that you handled Danny Duffy in that playoff run because the Cardinals have a somewhat similar situation to what you had right now with Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty's been hurt for a decent portion of this season. He's back now, and they're using him out of the bullpen but it's only been about a week and a half prior to the playoffs where they're kind of feeling out, okay, what's he like coming out of the bullpen? What were those conversations like for you guys with Danny Duffy going into the 2014 postseason when you did end up using him uh, a bit out of the bullpen? And how do you think the the Cardinals this year could maybe lean on some of that experience? Well, the experience is great, but you need to make sure that, uh, you know, he's ready to go. So I think that, you know, the, these last couple of games will be a little bit of an audition for him um, because, you know, once you set that roster for the wild card game, it, it's a one-game roster. So, you know, you when you move on, you can set the roster again. So if you plan, if you can see situ- situations or scenarios where he could come into play, then, you know, he'll be on that roster. Um, but, you know, you just have to make sure that uh, – he can handle those types of situations because, you know, we got, uh, and I'm not saying we, we got into trouble, but in, in the wild card game in 2014, you know, we started talking uh, again, like we said before about the fifth and sixth inning. Um, you know, we had, we had Yodano Ventura that was a starter and we kept talking, well, what if we get in the sixth inning and we need a, we need a gap to get us to our bullpen, you know, would Ventura be that guy? You know, he's throwing 98 miles an hour with a tremendous curveball, nice change. You know, even though he's been a starter, he can come in and, uh, you know, pitch a, pitch a one-inning relief if, if we need be. And um, so we talked about it, we talked about it, we talked about it, and it made more sense. And we went into the last game of the year, and, and we could see he was a starter because we were trying to win uh, or trying to tie the division. Uh, Detroit had a one-game lead. If they lost and we won, we'd have to play a one-game playoff. But – you know, after 50 pitches, we could see that Detroit had won. We took him out of the ball game, so we had him set up for a one inning, a one inning relief spot uh, going into the wild card game. And sure enough, the situation arose, and we brought him in, and he gave up a three run homer. It didn't work out, you know. And we got booed, or I, um, I, I take it back, I got booed, <laughs> um, you know, because we did that. But that was a situation that was well thought out, uh, uh, you know, with a bunch of well experienced baseball men. Uh, and we talked about it forever. The situation just didn't work out. So, you know, hopefully in these situations that, you know, he's comfortable 
coming in, uh, you know, in a relief spot and, and can handle that situation. And if he can, that's sure, that's sure a nice arm to have out there in that bullpen. Ned, final one from me. You've seen a lot of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina in your career managing the Kansas City Royals and the Milwaukee Brewers. How critical have those two been, in your opinion, to this Cardinals run, just having them a part of this roster? Uh, just a huge. I mean, you know, Adam Wainwright has always been a favorite of mine. Just to watch him pitch, he's, you know, he's just, he's just so good. And and you know, Yadier Molina and Salvador Perez are the two best catchers. Uh, you know, I guess you got to throw Pudge Rodriguez in there too. But they're the three best catchers that I've ever seen. You know, you have so much respect for for Yadi and what he does back there. And you know, coincidence or no coincidence, and, and I I believe this that the reason that there was such a pretty big turnaround for John Lester was Yadier Molina, you know, helping him on that staff. Once they got Lester over there, he's been really, really, you know, strong for you guys here, uh, you know, the last month or so. And I just think that Yadi has had a big input in that, but um, you know, those two guys are indispensable for me. Uh, And when you think of the Cardinals, I mean, you think of Yadi, you think of Goldsmith, you think of Arnauto and you think of Wainwright and, you know, that, that's, that's, that's that organization. Those are the guys that lead the rest of those guys uh, uh, to victory every single day. Ned, my final question that I've got for you, and thanks so much for the time today. The Royals in 2014 had momentum coming out of that wild card game. It was an all-timer, that game in and of itself, and then you guys used that, and it, it carried you, and you, you guys played incredibly well, and you ended up in the World Series as a result. What is that momentum like coming off of the wild card game going into for you guys, the ALDS or potentially for the Cardinals going into the NLDS? How much can that help them going into that series? You know, it can help them a ton. And, you know, I've ne- and I'm going to be really frank and honest with you. I've never really understood momentum. Momentum changes from pitch to pitch. So, you know, people want to, you know, people want to say, boy, we got momentum going into this. And yeah, you feel good because you've, you, you know, you've got a little bit of a streak going, but for us, I think the thing that was so amazing is that we had a young group of kids that in the eighth inning of the wild card game, all of a sudden the switch flipped and the switch thinking that they were good thinking that they could win to knowing in their heart that they were good and knowing in their heart that they could win. So it was more of a belief in a group in each other. uh, I think as well as the momentum going into it, that that carried us on an eight, no run in the playoffs. And uh, they never looked back from that point. He's Ned Yost, former Royals and Brewers manager. He managed the Royals in 2014 in that wild card game. He's a 2015 world series champion. And now you hear him on MLB network radio. Ned sincerely appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. All the best to you. And we'll talk again soon. All right, you guys enjoy the run. Absolutely, same to you. That's Ned Yost joining us here on 101 ESPN, one of my favorite baseball guys in the business. He's fantastic, uh, all-around good human being. And I wanted to talk about that last point that he made there, Alex, um, about his team realized that they are good. I wonder if the Cardinals, we know now, actually, (laughs) the Cardinals' moment for that was against the Reds. The Cardinals moment was when Nolan Arnato hit his 30th home run. And after the game, I think it was Miles Michaelis who came out and said, this is the type of win that can turn things around for us. And it ended up being exactly that type of win. And they won 17 straight after that. 
I think the Cardinals have that feel now. I don't think that the Royals did prior to the AL wildcard game back in 2014. Then they did. And then boom, it carried them into, like Ned Yo said, game seven of the World Series. I think the Cardinals know they're good. And I gave the numbers yesterday comparing the Cardinals offense over the last two months to what we have seen from the Dodgers offense over the last two months. The Cardinals are going to go into that wild card game against the Dodgers, believing they're every bit as good as the Dodgers are. They're going to go into, if they get there, the NLDS against the Giants, believing they're as good as the Giants are. And they've won four out of six this year against the Giants. So I do think that is something that is meaningful when you are not looking at it as David versus Goliath, but rather as your peer team. I think that's super important, and I think the Cardinals are there now. I do not believe that they were there as recently as a month and a half ago. It's invincibility. It's what it feels like. And I go back, and, and again, I, I, I hate doing this, but it's just the reference I can go off of. It's that Blues team. When yep. they went into that series against the Winnipeg Jets, the Jets were a team that was looked at as a Stanley Cup favorite, but the Blues felt like they were untouchable, and they win that series. I think the Cardinals have now felt like they are untouchable because they found every different way to win a baseball game in that 17-game stretch. And when you go into the series against the Dodgers or the Giants in the wildcard game, you're sitting there going, they got nothing on us because they didn't go through the adversity that we just went through. And to your point where they felt like they were the best and they could do it, I would go to that Dodgers series. And I know that they lost two in that game. But you just beat a team that was on a streak that everyone thought was a World Series favorite. You beat two of four in those games. And that's where it was like, okay, we're untouchable. And then look at where the streak went from there. And to your point on the way that they won and how many different ways they won during that 17-game streak, there will not be a scenario that takes place in that wildcard game that they have not won in that specific uh, script, right? right? Whether they get down early, they know we can come back. We've done it before. We will, we will do it again. If they get up early and then give up a lead and then have to come back again late, they've done that in this streak. If they've got it in the eighth inning, come up with a big time hit against a big time reliever. They've done that. Anything that presents itself to them in the wild card game, been there, done that. That is what is so meaningful about that 17-game streak and why it could, in my opinion, I know Ned kind of pushed back a little bit on it. I do think the momentum matters for them, especially because they just went through such a significant streak and that's going into the wild card game. If they can pull it into that and then get into the NLDS with even more momentum, man, this team is going to be tough to beat at that point in time. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We're going to be joined by Jim Bowden, former Major League General Manager, coming up in about 15 minutes. But coming up next, questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe? Text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. With Alex Ferrari and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Jim Bowden, former Major League General Manager, joining us here in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Let's start out with this one. Hey guys, what'd you think about the Super Bowl halftime show that was announced yesterday? Alex, if you missed it, it's going to be Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blotch. And Kendrick Lamar. What do you think about that? Fix yourself for a minute, though. It's not Snoop Dogg. It's it's Snoop D-O-double-G. Okay. Yeah. That's how you pronounce that name. That's what the cool hip kids say, like (laughs) T-Drizzle over here. (laughs) Jesus, never call yourself T-Drizzle. I I loved it, man. I'm excited about it. It's something different. You know, like we've had pop stars. We've had rock. When was the last time we've had like 
rap stars at a Super Bowl halftime. Like, I know they've been a part of it, but yeah, they have trying to think as like the headliner. It's been a minute, man. And Snoop, Snoop is in his own world. So like, I can't wait to see that. But like Dr. Dre and Eminem, that one's going to be really entertaining. I've heard Eminem concerts are just out of this world. So I'm really excited. It's something different. And I'm pumped for the Super Bowl halftime. I'm going to be Mr. Buzzkill because I could care less. I don't really care about the that's Super because, Bowl halftime. That's because you play no, I, old I, songs on I don't on care who show. they could have said. They could have said, like, well, they just did The weekend, but so that would be bad. They could have said, like, AJR. I could care less whoever's the who? halftime. You don't know who AJR is? Alternative band. Do yeah. you know who AJR is? Of course. That's the kind of music that yeah. I listen to. <laughs> Sorry, bad example, I guess. Sorry, guys. I just don't really care about the Super Bowl halftime. It's on, like, in the background, but that's, like, my time where I'm, like, getting stuff did ready you for guys, the second half. Did you guys see that country music fans are really upset? Really? Because they've been snubbed again, they're saying. Because they keep saying, like, well, we, we, country has never, we haven't done this in so long. You know why? Don't say it. Actually, I don't This know. is the first, I, I'm going through some of the history of the halftime shows. I can't find one that was, like, a, a true rap, rap performance. Like, you've pop. seen some hip-hop. Yeah. Boys to Men was was oh. a, a headliner a while ago, like, headliner? 25 years ago. That was so good. Um, like, 25 years ago, Tanner. It was, like, before was like, you were born. I was six, but I'm I still remember that it. that they were a headliner. <laughs> Tanner wants Tony Bennett and Mel Tormeda. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> Michael Jackson, that's more poppy, but yeah, we've seen good. Diddy, Nelly. That was back in 2004. You probably remember that as the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson halftime performance that ended oh, up I remember. giving us Paul McCartney and the Rolling Stones and Tom Petty the next few years and Bruce Springsteen they went all the way in the other direction right after that but yeah I'm excited man I think this could be a good one I don't think it's gonna be good as like I thought Shakira was really good Beyonce was outstanding wasn't Shakira with J-Lo uh yeah. yes yeah that one was really good um the Lady Gaga performance was really good I enjoyed Katy Perry Bruno I was good. was awesome We've had some really good ones in recent years, but this one's going to be fun, man. It'll be fun. I don't think it'll be as fun as those. It won't be as entertaining as those ones were just because those were more performances than I think this will be. But it has the potential to be pretty good. Are we going to get like old school Eminem, Dr. Dre, you think? Or you think it's going to be newer stuff? Yeah, it's got to be uh, real Slim Shady. Yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. go back to the early 2000s yeah. with some of that stuff for That's sure. Awesome. Um, Kendrick will probably end up doing one song. I bet you the star of the show ends up being Mary J. Blige. Really? She'll, she'll end up having the performance that everybody's talking about later on. I don't I, I don't know if I could tell you more than two Mary J. Blige songs. I don't know who that is, so I'll beat you on that one. <laughs> well, you <laughs> that weren't even in the competition good. there, T-Bone. Uh, by the way, Prince was also outstanding. He, he was very good as well. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line for questions and answers. Let's get to this one from the 618. Hey, guys, LaShawn McCoy announced that he's retiring. Is he a Hall of Famer in your mind? Alex, do you view LaShawn McCoy as being a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. Um, but I mean, I, to be frank with you, I'm not sure if I know how high up he is on the statistics and running backs, but like, of course, you know, everyone goes to Super Bowls first and hasn't won a Super Bowl, but then you're thinking of like, is he high up there on the touchdown chart in terms of running backs or yards? Cause I don't, I, I hear the name and it just doesn't pop like, Oh yeah, he's a hall of famer. I think he kind of. I don't know. He's tough because I think he might be because he's, what, fifth all-time in rushing yards. Uh, He's been an all-pro. He's been to Pro Bowls. I think he might. I know he doesn't have the Super Bowl. I I think there's a chance he could be a Hall of Famer. I I don't know if I would put him in, but I, I think he does have a legitimate shot to get in. 
Here's the thing about LaShawn McCoy's Hall of Fame candidacy that's interesting to me. If he's not going to get in, who are you putting in among running backs of the last 15, 20 years? Because LaShawn McCoy, since 2000, is fifth in the NFL in rushing yardage. There's just not a whole lot of running backs that are going to be worthy of entering the Pro Football Hall of Fame in the next 15, 20 years if you're not going with him. I mean, Adrian Peterson is the one that immediately yeah, comes to mind in. for me. He'll get in. But after him, the list is pretty short on guys that are guaranteed Hall of Famers from this era of football at that specific position. And I don't think you just want to completely eliminate a spot um, from the Hall of Fame. So I, it's kind of the changing of the game, though, right? Yeah. Like, the running backs just aren't used like they were prior to that to where like they were instant Hall of Famers. The only other guy that I can think of after Adrian Peterson would be Frank Gore. And you know my thoughts on him. He's not a Hall of Famer. He fan. hates Frank Gore. Best of all time. Frank Gore, Frank, Frank Gore Friday. Never forget, BK. He's going to get in. He does not deserve. Frank Gore Friday. By the way, if LaShawn McCoy does get in, you know whose case goes up significantly for being a Hall of Famer? Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson. And it should... Frankly, for what he did, it should. Steven Jackson um, it has 400 more rushing yards in his career than LaShawn McCoy. So he's he's going to be worthy of getting into the Hall of Fame. His candidacy will be boosted if LaShawn McCoy gets serious consideration. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, I thought Stalter said something really interesting the other day about how the Cardinals compared to the Brewers, not just for this postseason, but for the next three years. We'll do that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, Jim Bowden, former MLB general manager, now host on SiriusXM, joins us here on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Right now, we are very happy to go back out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by former Major League General Manager, current host for Sirius XM MLB. He's Jim Bowden joining us here on the show. Jim, we always enjoy having you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing very well, especially after this recent Cardinals run where they won 17 straight. They've won 18 out of 19. What was your perspective on this run, this stretch that we've seen from the Cardinals, Jim? Well, it's been incredible. And what really stands out to me is what a great defensive team this St. Louis Cardinal team is. And I asked John Mosellac on Sunday on our front office show if this was the best defensive team that he's ever had while he's been in St. Louis. And he didn't completely commit to it, but he certainly said it was one of the best. Um, that really stands out to me when you go back and you watch the uh, the tape and the digital of all of those 17 wins. What stands out is how many singles and doubles are just taken away by that great defense. I mean, we all knew how great Arenado and Goldschmidt are on the corners and Molina behind the play. But, you know, O'Neill won his gold glove last year. Bader's going to win his gold glove this year. And then you've got Carlson, Edmund, Sosa, all of them above average defenders as well. So the defense is so exciting. And I got to tell you, if you're the, the Dodgers or Giants, you don't want to be playing this Cardinal team in a one-game playoff 
not with Adam Wainwright on the mound and not with the defense that's going to be behind him. Jim, I was going to ask you that because the Dodgers and Giants, they basically have been playing in an identical second half of the season, both fighting for that NL West spot. Do you really think that both of these teams are truly fighting to avoid the Cardinals? Because, you know, the Dodgers on paper have a, a fascinating lineup and Max Scherzer on the mound. Well, they're fighting so they don't have to play a one-game wild card, obviously, and the Giants with a two-game lead, obviously, in the driver's seat. And both of these teams, as you mentioned, identical records since July 15th. That's how elite they are. Now, if I were the Cardinals, I would prefer to play the Dodgers in a one-game wild card than I would play them in a five-game series uh, because their rotation is so deep that, you know, if you've got Scherzer and Kershaw and Bueller and Urias, that is a really deep rotation to have to go against in a five-game series. I would much rather go against the Giants in a five-game series if I were them. So I think the two-game advantage right now the Giants have and the Dodgers are a good thing for St. Louis. Look, they're going to go – St. Louis is going to go into the wild-card game uh, with, with the knowledge that they're as good as any team in baseball right now. And they've proven that on the field. We've seen it happen. And the one thing that, you know, and I've been covering the postseason my whole life, and the one thing that is always obvious to me is the great defensive teams normally are the teams that are left standing. And St. Louis has that attribute. I don't think there's any question whether you look at the analytics or you view with your own eyeballs, it is just really special. So they're, they're a real threat. I don't know how the rotation's going to do if they make it to a seven-game series, to be honest. Uh, so I think it's going to be tough to get all the way to the World Series. But this is a team that's capable of winning the wild card and capable of upsetting the Giants in a five-game series. Jim, how do you compare this offense to the other offenses that they could potentially face, specifically the Giants and the Dodgers? Because we we went through some of the numbers since August 1st. It honestly surprised me, even as being around this team all of this time, that the Cardinals offense has been better since August 1st than the Dodgers. But how do you compare those two and add into the Giants to that group as well? Yeah, so when I view offense um, and lineups in the postseason, it's different than the regular season, right? And the reason it's different in the regular season, the regular season you're facing all kinds of pitching, and you're, you're facing pitching on teams that are in last place, teams that are in third place. You've got a big variety of pitchers. When you get to the postseason, you're facing normally the best that's out there. So what I care about is what lineups can hit the best pitching. And the Cardinals lineup can hit the best pitching. And it's not just Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado anymore. Uh, you can put Tyler O'Neill in that same conversation. And I'm going to put Dylan Carlson there, too, who's finally living up to what I thought he would do this year. I thought he would be rookie of the year. He, he's not going to be, but he certainly looks like it here down the stretch, which, uh, like Jared Kelnick of Seattle, uh, they're finally living up to what we knew they were going to be. Um, this, Car- this Cardinal team, they can hit good pitching. So uh, I, I absolutely feel offensively uh all three of the teams that you're discussing the dodgers giants and cardinals uh can all hit this type of pitching the one thing i like about the dodgers um is the top of the lineup because in a short series where pitching and defense normally rules mookie Betts and trey turner can beat you on the bases by stealing bags you know you're in a 2-2 game they get the big lead and the pitcher gets rattled he's got to throw over six times and he steals the base and there's a bloop and there's a run and they end up winning that game uh Corey Seager is completely locked in right now um finally healthy but he's locked in locked in so that top of the lineup when he stacks Betts, Seager and Turner and that's the order that Dave Roberts has been using recently 
that's that's a really tough lineup uh, to face in October in playoff games. Um, the rest of the lineup, though, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll take St. Louis's middle. I'll take Arenado, Goldie, and O'Neill against any of the the middle of the line, any of them, right now, right here, and feel really good about it. So St. Louis is a threat. You know, in a one game wild card, anything can happen. We get it. But I will tell you, with Wainwright on the mound and the team locked in as they are, they have as good a chance whether they play the Dodgers or the Giants of, of winning that game. Jim, I, I know the focus right now is the wild card and seeing what the Cardinals can do this season. But from a GM's perspective, you're always looking forward. And this offense, for how great it's been these last couple of months, it did hit a dry spell in the early portion of the season. Has the offense done enough in the last couple of months from a GM's mindset to say, you know what, this is something that I think we stick with going into next season? Oh, yeah, I think you stick with this team. I mean, look, if I was John Mosellock looking at this team, I'm just focusing on the starting pitching. I just want to, I just want to figure out how, how can I get this starting pitching better. Um, you know, he did a good job of trading for the senior citizens in Leicester and Hap. They certainly got <laughs> the job done. Uh, but this is an older rotation. And it helps you in October because these are veteran guys that have been there, done that. But that's the one area that I would be focused on if I were Mo. You know, that being said, would I love to put Corey Seager at shortstop on this team? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have that shortstop bat. But Sosa's been really impressive, and I'm not sure, you know, you're not going to have all that much money to spend to add to the payroll. And so I think what I did have dollar-wise, I think I'd focus more on rotation than I would adding another bat. But as a former GM, would you like to have the left-handed Hitting Seager in there, yeah, you would like, and he's a Cardinal type player. Jim, does the does the defense that this team has does that change at all the kind of pitcher that you're going to be looking at going into the off season? Because we saw a lot of the young guys that had the walk issues early this year. It didn't go well for them. They didn't use the defense that was behind them, uh, and the guys that they've brought in since then have done that, and we've seen the results that have followed. Are the types of pitchers that you're going to be looking at a little different in St. Louis than they would be elsewhere if you didn't have this kind of a defense behind them? I mean, I don't think there's any question that, you know, you you want guys that throw strikes and guys that put the ball in play, guys with high ground ball rates, obviously. Um, guys that can keep the ball in the ballpark, of course you like that. But uh, n- normally, though, really what you want is you want the studs that miss bats and throw strikes, right? I mean, in the real world, you want the Corbin Burns, you want the Max Scherzer, you want the Garrett Cole. I mean, those are the, those are the guys that GM is always going to chase. But when you're building the middle to the back of the rotation, you certainly want guys that throw strikes, especially with this team. Uh, you throw strikes and you have command, and that the key is the command of your pitches, not just the control and throwing strikes. It's be- being able to have Molina not have to move his glove at all, be able to hit the spots, use both sides of the plate, get it in play. Yeah, those are the kind of pitchers that you want in the middle of your back of your rotation. As a follow-up to that, Jim, if I put you in John Mosellock's chair and I said, hey, you, you've got $25 million to spend this offseason on the pitching, and you can divvy that up however you want. You can give it to multiple guys. You can give it to one guy. What What is the guy or the guys that you would potentially be targeting early on in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. I really can't give you the answer. $25 million isn't enough to get me a Max Scherzer. Uh, so I may want to see what I can get. Uh, Justin Verlander coming back from Tommy John. Is there a way I can afford to do Verlander and Kevin Gosman both? Is that possible? Uh, or do I need to make make the trade somewhere to, to get the other arm? I'm, I'm really, you know, when you talk about that kind of money, it takes a lot of time and effort to really figure out 
who you can target, who's aff- affordable. Uh, I haven't gone down that path yet. Sure. But Verlander would be the type of guy, like, you're built to win now. And I, I want to win now, like Goldie and Arenado are in their prime, and you've got all those young kids, uh, you know, Neil with a breakout year, Carlson's just going to keep getting better, Tommy Edmonds a great player. So, you know, I want to take advantage of it. So I, I don't it, I don't really want to make another Matthew Libertor trade and, and get younger arms. I want proven guys that can sit there and, and help this team get better right away. You know, that's how the Cubs did it. That You know, you look at Tampa Bay, that's how they did it actually. It's not from most of them aren't from within. They're actually from outside. So, um, yeah, you never get enough pitching. We all know that. The one exciting thing when John Mosaic goes to this offseason is you don't really have to have any questions whatsoever. You know, you re-sign Wayno, and then you just keep adding to the pitching. Jim, a lot of criticism for Mike Schilt throughout this season from fans here in St. Louis. And with this new run, do, do you feel like that criticism has changed a little bit in terms of him being a long-term manager for the Cardinals? Look, all the Cardinals do is win, and the St. Louis fan base has such high expectations, but when things don't go well, St. Louis fans want the GM and the manager fired. Hmm. And when things go well, then they like them. That, that's how it works in St. Louis, and that's okay, because the baseball fans there have the passion. They, they want to win, and that's the expectations. Um, I, I don't know how you could criticize the job that Mike Schilt has done. Now, if you want to sit there and pick on managers, I promise you, all 30 markets, are unhappy with their manager most of the time because they, they left the pitcher in too long or they took him out too soon or they, they, they flip-flopped the wrong guy in the sixth, seventh spot in the lineup. When you don't win, we go back and look and say, well, we should have done this. We could have done that. We should have done that. Mike Schiller's done an amazing job with St. Louis. Um, this is a very respectful man who is fundamentally sound. Reminds me a lot of Ronnie Gardenhire when he managed the Twins because this team is fundamentally sound. You won't find Mike Schilt in the in the clubhouse with the players, right? He's, that, that's their place. You got to go into his office. But he knows how to empower Paul Goldschmidt. He knows how to empower Arenado to run that clubhouse and believes in them. Players love playing for him. So look, the criticism, I get it. It's always going to be there in St. Louis. Bottom line is, look where they were at the beginning of August with a 4% chance of making the postseason, and look at where they are today. You've got to give Mike Schilt credit. Final question that I've got for Jim Bowden joining us here on 101 ESPN. Jim, the Cardinals are very likely going to see Max Scherzer in the wild card game, and he is one of the guys that if you talk to any Cardinals fan that's out on the street and ask them what they want the Cardinals to do this offseason, some of them will tell you get one of those big bats. A lot of them will tell you bring Max Scherzer home. What kind of money do you think he's going to command this offseason? Well, put your seatbelt on, and if you're listening in the car, please don't drive off the road. He's going to become the first $50 million a year player in baseball history. He's going to get 50 a year times three. He's going to get $150 million. Uh, Scott Boris is going to make sure that record is broken. Now, he probably has to pitch well in the wild card game as well. That last start lost him the Cy Young Award to Corbin Burns, to be honest. But Mighty Max has had another Cy Young caliber season, and he's going to get $50 million a year. Look, if Trevor Bauer got 45 a year on a short-term deal, Mighty Max is getting 50, and he's going to beat it. So he'll be the first guy to ever do it in the history of our sport. So if the Cardinals only have 25 to spend, <laughs> like you said, they can only afford to get half a Scherzer. Wow. Uh, they, they've got $60 million coming off of the books. Maybe they just slide that Max Scherzer's away. I, I'd be surprised by it, but that is, wow, that is a lot of money. Uh, he's he's worth it. If anybody's worth it, it is him. Jim, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. All the best to you. Enjoy this playoff run. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks, you Jim. got it. That's Jim Bowden joining us here on 101 ESPN. Wow. So uh, <laughs> don't hope for Max Scherzer cards, fans. If that man is going to be $50 million a year for how he's 39? Uh, no, no, he's 37. Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, okay. Still, <laughs> he's going to finish pitching when he is what Wayno is now. No, he, he's never, he, is, he is Tom Brady. He's never going to wow. finish pitching. He's just going to keep going. Bowden made my mouth drop when he mentioned like 25 million. Maybe you could try and get like Gossman and Verlander. <laughs> yeah, and then he just slides in the 50 million. Wow. Actually, I don't want Gossman or Verlander. If you're going after pitcher, I want Robbie Ray. Yeah, well... We're going to talk about that coming up next. There was an article from Jeff Passan over the last couple of days talking about what some of these players could get in the offseason. Alex, you like Robbie Ray. Yeah. Tanner, you like Max Scherzer. I know I have said that I like Nick Castellanos. Boys, if you thought $50 million <laughs> was a lot, wait till you hear what the rest of the market could look like. We'll tell you about it next on 101 ESPN. Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Well, put your seatbelt on, and if you're listening in the car, please don't drive off the road. He's going to become the first $50 million a year player in baseball history. He's going to get 50 a year times three. That's what Jim Bowden had to say to us just moments ago about what you're going to see this offseason for Max Scherzer, who the Cardinals are likely going to face in the wild card game next Wednesday. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Alex, I wanted to hear that, and I wanted to ask about that because Jeff Passan of ESPN.com started out his offseason preview with a piece earlier this week breaking down who the top free agents are, who's going to get what, who the guys at the top of the market are. Well, he said in his piece, he expects Max Scherzer to command more than the two years, $85 million deal that Trevor Bauer signed last offseason. So when I heard that from Bowden, when you hear the $50 million per season, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And you're like, really? $50 million <laughs> per year for a player? But then when you compare it to what you just saw last year from Trevor Bauer, who got $42.5 million per season, I guess it does make a lot of sense. That being said, do you think that completely takes the Cardinals out of the running in your mind, Alex, for Max Scherzer this offseason? Look, I think the Cardinals were already out of the running for Max Scherzer when he went to the Dodgers because he stated that the team he was traded to at the deadline is the team that he wanted to stay with for the rest of his career. So I thought they were already out of it. But yeah, if we're talking $50 million a year for Max Scherzer, there's no way that the Cardinals can pull that off because your your roster is going to have more than just one player turnover. Like you you can't go into this upcoming offseason and that's why I asked Jim that as well. Like are, do you stick with this roster? And yep. he said, "Yeah, you stick with it, but you fix the pitching. But you don't fix the pitching with just one move. You're going to have to fix the bullpen, right? We've talked about bringing back Luis Garcia because you can't just come back and say, "Well, we'll go with Latino Heat again next season." No, you need more weapons in there. You do need depth, and I do still believe you're going to need help on the offensive side. So, yeah, if it's $50 million for Max Scherzer, I think there's one team that can get it done, and it's the team that he's with right now, the Dodgers. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, and I'm kind of with you. I was kind of on the mindset of, you know, if he comes here, it'd be nice, but I'm he's not taking a team-friendly deal, especially if he's getting three by 50. Yeah, and, and that's also, you mentioned, too, you know, you want to add more players than just one because you look at the Cardinals, that's what they did this past offseason. They added the one guy, and they brought back two veterans. And I don't think that's what they want to do heading into next season. And that's why I think when you look at it, when we were talking about, well, how do you upgrade the offense? Well, you go get Seager and give him $30 million a year. 
that's why I kind of looked at it and said, I don't know if they're going to do that either. I, I think they're going to try and take somewhat of the Giants route, look for those cheap pitching options that are on the market that can pitch with this defense and kind of allocate those funds, make four, five, six different changes that don't cost as much. So let's talk about the top of the market because Jeff Passan also had notes on a few other guys that we've talked about as well. He views Carlos Correa and Corey Seager as the top of the market this offseason. Those are the two guys that, according to him, most of the people around the league view as the top of the market. He sees Correa getting around $200 million, potentially more than that and in I total. Just, I saw a report today that Detroit's a favorite because of A.J. Hinch. Yeah, we talked about that previously. I don't remember who we had on, but somebody connected those two because of A.J. Hinch as well. And by the way, A.J. Hinch will be joining us on Monday. So excited to have A.J. Hinch back on the show. And also Jeff Passan said that he believes Corey Seager is viewed by most as the most talented player in this class so not necessarily the best but most talented of course there are the injury questions but if Correa is going to get 200 million and Seager is viewed as more talented than him I would imagine Seager is going to get something similar if not exceeding what Correa is going to get so that that's a lot of money for those two guys as well but we knew that Robbie Ray name that was it you that mentioned yeah, Robbie that was Ray? what I just said in the previous break I want Robbie Ray is expected to get according to Jeff Passan more than 100 million dollars this offseason Alex does that change your view of Robbie Ray. How old is he? He's what, 30? 30? Yeah, 30 years old. Oh, yeah, because I was thinking give him a five-year deal, but ooh, that makes me nervous. So yeah, for $100 million, where you're probably talking, what, two or three years? Yeah, I might. Probably four. You think four? I don't know, man. He, I still think I would want him, but that's a lot of money. $100 million? He pitched 30 innings two years ago, 20 innings uh, last year. Yeah, I know Arizona, it was a shortened season. It's pretty terrible. Arizona though. basically gave him up for a bag of balls because yeah. he was so bad. For he them. had one good year in Arizona where he was a sub three and nearly a sub three ERA. He's been a replacement level starting pitcher for the vast majority of his career. Right. I'm not giving that dude $100 million. No. no. And you're paying for basically one season, mm-hmm. which again, we were talking about that about Luis Garcia. You're going to be playing for half, paying half of a season. Yeah. yeah, I'm out on that now. Yeah, and I don't think you want to give him that kind of deal because then he becomes your elite lefty in your rotation. I think that's how the Cardinals view Matthew Libertor, and he'll be cost-controlled. That's why I think they'd be out on Robbie Ray, too. He says that people on the market view uh, Nick Castellanos as the best pure bat available, and the only thing that is keeping him away from Tier 1 is his defense, but this year that's not as much of an issue because he's going to be available to all 30 teams with the DH likely going into order next year. Uh, He's got two years left, $34 million on his current deal with the Reds that he's likely to opt out of. He's 30 years old. You guys know I've talked a lot about Nick Castellanos and how much I think his back could help this lineup. If he's going to end up getting $20 million per season, probably around $100 million as well, that's another guy that I think you could probably cross off the Cardinals list too. What, um, what is Carlos uh, Rodon, Rondon from the White Sox? Is he a free agent? Yes, he is. Uh, he has had some injury yeah. issues late in this season, um, but he's he's considered to be in the same group with like J.D. Martinez, Clayton Kershaw, Nick Castellanos. He's a tier two free agent, according to um, Jeff Pass. Here's the thing with the starting pitchers, though. Like we can go through this list and I know there's a tier three that you wanted to get to. Yes. BK, that, Those are the guys that I think are going to be interesting to the Cardinals. But like, why are we if we're talking about starting pitchers? We've already talked about the fact that you're basically going after one guy for one spot because the rest of the guys are in place. And you have four guys competing for that one spot. So if you bring in a free agent, nobody else is going to be competing for a spot. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Unless they make a trade, I mean, maybe they deal from within, Move right? Miles Michaelis possibly, but who's going to take that contract? I don't know. But it, whether it be Michaelis or somebody else, there there are there are options for them if they wanted to go that route, or maybe they don't end up looking at Alex Reyes as a starter. Maybe they decide, you know what, he's a bullpen arm for us because of the walk issues, uh, and because we don't think he can go deep into games, and we like the idea of adding an Anthony DiSclafani, for example. But does it? But does that get to the point then where Alex Reyes wants to be traded away because? Because he wants to be in the rotation. I think he's only got, what, one, maybe two years left on his contract. So I, I don't think it would probably be something that they would um, allow. Yeah. You know? I mean, unless he says, trade me, I don't want to be here. Yeah. It, it very rarely happens with guys on their pre-arb uh, yeah. deals in, in baseball. Yeah, he's got two years left after this year. So I'd be surprised by it, but it's possible. I mean, you run that risk, certainly. Um, but some of the guys that I do think could be, be interesting from this list from Jeff Passan, I just gave you kind of the sticker shock, right? Oh, my God, $50 million for Max Scherzer, $100 million for Robbie Ray, $200 million for Correa or Seager. It's a ton of money that you're talking about, more than $20 million per year for Castellanos or J.D. Martinez. The guys that I do think are interesting as potential options for the Cardinals, these are the guys that are in Tier 3. So you're just below the top two tiers. Michael Conforto, he has had a very bad year this year for the New York Mets. But in his career, he's been a really good, a really good hitter basically at every point in his career. He's a fine defender, but he's not a great guy out there. He's probably a DH slash corner outfield option for you next year. He's somebody that I would be interested in in this tier three. The two guys that really interest me, Anthony DiSclefani, who's had a great season this year for San Francisco. He's 31 years old and John Gray. The pitcher that we talked about leading into the trade deadline, he's right around 30 as well, and he has had some pretty good years in Colorado despite pitching at Coors Field. Those are two of the guys in that that third-tier type of range that I think could be really interesting on the open market for the Cardinals if they're looking for pitchers. Yeah, uh, and I'd love both of those guys. A little bit more John Gray, I think, than D. Scalfani. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Scalfani's a lefty, right? Righty. 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 Okay. So, yeah, that, I, I think because I, they're both righties, I would prefer John Gray a little bit more. Um, but again, it, it comes back to the point where, and I understand Jim Bowden's point of like strengthen your weakness, get more pitching. I just don't know how you can convince a guy to come here unless you do make a trade and say, yeah, you're going to be a part of this rotation. But we also have all of these guys fighting for a spot as well. I, I think of those two, I think I would rather have John Gray just because he's pitched in a, a one of the tough, the toughest ballpark, and he's had good numbers there. When you look at DiSclafani, he he's kind of had one of those where he he was okay with the Reds, but I saw him there, and I kind of saw the yeah. downside of DiSclafani. Now we're seeing the upside, but he's at a very pitcher friendly park, which is what the Cardinals park is. I was about to is. say you're seeing right now what it could potentially look like in St. Louis, maybe even to a greater degree because you got better defense here in St. Louis. Yeah, so I get that, but I know I just looking at his passes a little bit, what would give the advantage to me to John Gray. I think one thing that is important to keep in mind, and you are absolutely right on this, Alex. When you look at the Cardinals rotation right now, what we are watching from Dakota Hudson changes, in my mind, the need for a pitcher next year. Mm -hmm. Dakota Hudson has become less of a question mark for me. Miles Michaelis has changed the calculus a bit as well. You go into next season with those two guys firmly entrenched into your rotation, along with Wayno and along with Flaherty, that's four spots left in. If you think Matthew Libertor is ready in the last month or two of his season would seemingly suggest that he is, there's your five. Right. And if you think Alex Reyes is deserving of fighting for a rotation spot, 
There's a six. Well, and then Jordan Jake Hicks. Woodford is an option for you in the rotation. There's your seventh. And then you've got Johan Oviedo and maybe Zach Thompson is able to take his game to another level. You mentioned Jordan Hicks. I just don't, I, I don't buy it. I don't as well, but there's, there's something when there's smoke, there's fire and you don't send him to Memphis and then Memphis start him in a game. If you don't view him as a starter, can I get my theory on what's going on there? Is it tinfoil? I don't think so. I think oh, it's pretty self-explanatory. We only do 10. I think this here. is pretty simple. I think they want him on a, on a schedule. I think they want him on a regimen. He's only going one one inning typically, maybe a little more than an inning at most. So I, I think they just want him to get scheduled, regimented work. And the way to do that is on a starter schedule. Okay. So I, I don't think this is about them lengthening him out. And maybe they try to do it, but I... I view him as a lottery ticket for the rotation, much more so than a guy like Alex Reyes or Liberator or Woodford right. or Oviedo. Those are guys I think that are all way ahead of him on the depth chart right, right now. For me to put a bow on this in terms of pitchers, I would much rather go into next season and bring back a guy like a John Lester or a Jay Happ who is okay with whatever role you're going to throw at him and makes it an internal competition rather than sign somebody and say, you're the guy and then everyone else miss out on that competition because competition's good for teams. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, we'll talk to Eddie Olchuk, 16-year NHL veteran, now Blackhawks TV analyst. Want to ask him about what he expects Brandon Saad to add to the Blues and what are the Blackhawks going to be this year? We've talked a lot about the Blues, the Central Division, getting back into that. The Blackhawks had a huge offseason. We'll talk to him about what the expectations are for the Blackhawks in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, my least favorite time of the week. It's time for our football pick'em draft. We'll give you our three picks for the weekend coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go again. It is my least favorite time of the week, but last week it went well for me. I was 2-1 and one on the week, as was Tanner Hendrickson. Alex Ferrario went 1-2, and two, which means that he gets the last pick in our football pick'em draft. We have nine games, as we do each and every week. All of us will have three games over the weekend, five NFL games, four college football games that are slated for us. I had the best record last week, which means that I get to pick first in this week's football pick'em draft. Did and we decide I- on the punishment yeah you're running you're falling through a jumping a through table, a table right yeah. so we'll do that next week yeah okay i mean whenever you're ready to let you my can mouth, pay off your bet whenever let my mouth heal all right so i will take i'll take the second pick this week oh. tanner what would you like the first, the first or the third pick well because alex wants the first i'll take the first overall Damn pick. It. all right and alex that means you get the third and fourth pick all tanner right. who are you taking with the number one overall pick this week man All right, number one overall, I'm going to take the Browns minus two at the Vikings. I know the Vikings just won, but you know what? Kirk Cousins, still overrated, still a bad football team, so give me the Cleveland Browns minus two. Feels like a loss for T-Bone already. I love it. All right, so for my first pick, I am going to go with a game that I am pretty confident in, and I don't know that I should be. Ole Miss on the road taking on Alabama. Alabama is a 14-and-a-half point favorite at home. I'm taking Ole Miss plus the 14-and-a-half. That is a lot of points. I'm going to go with Ole Miss, who I think is an underrated team going into Alabama. Alabama's offense has not been as good as you would expect this year. Bryce Young's been solid, but he is not throwing the ball deep. Ole Miss can keep up with him. I'm going to go Ole Miss plus the 14-and-a-half. I like that one as well. I was really wanting 
that one. So I'm a little disappointed that that didn't fall to me. But with that being said, I'm going to take 49ers minus two and a half taking on the Seahawks at home. Um, although I did just see that George Kittle is possibly not playing in this He's one. He's always hurt, man. I still don't have any faith in that Seattle's guy. offense. So I'm going to I'm going to go see uh, San Francisco minus two and a half. You're up again. Oh, my God. I'm this. up again. No, I'm not used to this. Oof. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you know what? What? I'm going to go Notre Dame plus one and a half. Oh. We'll go okay. that upset there. That's a pretty close one. Boy, Cin- I kind of like Cincy. I kind of like Cincy, too, but. I was going to go Cincy with my next pick. You so. know what? Notre Dame, you're not going to sway me on this one. No, Notre Dame's no, no, no. at home. Hey, you're taking them. You can have them, man. Notre Dame's at home. I like that plus one and a half, so I'll take ND. All right, so I've got one underdog on the week. I'm taking my first favorite of the week. I'm going to the NFL. It's a Monday night football game between the Raiders and the Chargers the in Raiders. LA. And I'm going with the Chargers minus the three points. I think the Chargers are one of the three to four best teams in the AFC. Raiders have been really good this year, but how they're winning is with the deep ball from Derek Carr. The Chargers defense takes away the deep ball. So I'm going to take the Chargers minus the three points. I think they win this one by 10 plus. Chargers at home win big. All right. Now, I always sucks. feel like I have to have someone that's got the who's not favored. So I'm going to go with it. Arkansas plus 18 oh, at Georgia. Oh, oh, 18, oh, it. Yes. 18 seems like a lot. And I really like that Arkansas football team. God, I don't I was, think they're going to win, but oh, I'll take them at plus 18. I was 18. really worried that was going to come back to me. I don't know about that one, Tanner. That one, whew, that yeah. one smells bad. That one smells like loss. That's just because you farted already. <laughs> it ain't the pick. Alex, you do have two buddy. losses on this one already, T-Bone. All right, so I'm staying the hell away from Mizzou and Tennessee. So it comes down to the Cardinals and Rams or the Panthers and Cowboys. Both minus fours. Cowboys and Rams favorites, both home. I got a favorite. I got an underdog. Do it, do it, do it. I got to go Rams here. Okay. I got to go Rams minus four. They're home. They've been playing like the best team in the NFC this season. Cardinals had a little bit of a scare against the Jaguars, although they came back. I'm going to go Rams minus four. All right, so there are two games remaining. The Panthers are taking on the Cowboys in Dallas. Dallas is a four-point home favorite in that one. Tennessee is traveling to Missouri, where the Tigers are a a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Some places they're up to three. We've got it at two-and-a-half when we wrote this down, so that's what we're going with. I hate both of these games. Hate them. Absolutely hate them. The Panthers, I think, are one of the more underrated, sneaky, decent teams in the NFL this season. Great weapons on the outside. A quarterback that's playing above his head right now. And a defense that is fast as hell. But they're without Christian McCaffrey right now. They just lost J.C. Horn, one of the best young corners in the NFL, to what appeared to be a pretty serious ankle injury. The Cowboys are really good offensively. I'm going to take the Cowboys going up against a depleted secondary with the Panthers, minus the four points at home. I like the Cowboys to win seven plus. My final one, I think I'm going to go with Tennessee plus two and a half since it's the only one. Give me Tennessee. I can score score a touchdown on Mizzou's running defense. My goodness. So give me Tennessee plus two and a half. Uh, If this was seven and a half, I'd probably take it. So give me Tennessee. That's how confident I am in them. All right. Tennessee plus the two and a half. So Tanner's picks are in. Alex's picks are in. And my picks are in. Here's what we've got. Tanner has the Browns minus two points. 
He has the Arkansas Razorbacks plus 18. I don't know about that Bad one. Bad choice, dude. And Tennessee plus two and a half. So Tennessee has to either lose by two or fewer or win that game. Don't be Alex, smelling do, but that is a victory right there. <laughs> Alex has the 49ers minus two and a half. Notre Dame plus one and a half. And the Rams minus four. I have Ole Miss plus 14 and a half. The Chargers minus three. And the Cowboys minus four points. We do have a little bit of news to pass along for you guys as well. According to Derek Gould, of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Adam Wainwright and the St. Louis Cardinals have agreed officially on a deal for his return in 2022. New story coming to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch shortly. That what I I would imagine that is what the press conference will be coming up at 2 o'clock. So the Cardinals... Have called for a 2 o'clock press conference. We knew that previously. Derek Gould adding to the story, confirming that the Adam, Adam Wainwright and the St. Louis Cardinals have agreed on a deal for his return in 2022. This was always expected. Once he said he was coming back, there was no doubt about it. This time around, Cardinals were going to get it done with both Yadier Molina and Wayno. So now they can focus on what all of their other plans are for the offseason. Congratulations to Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals for getting this done early. We'll hear that press conference coming up at 2 o'clock. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie coming up in about 15 minutes or so. There was that piece of news, rumor, innuendo, whatever you want to call it, from Mike Shannon on the broadcast yesterday. I'm sure if you're a Cardinals fan, you've heard this already. It's talking about, do the DeWitts have interest in selling this team? Alex, I'm not sure if they do or don't. They said yesterday they don't, so I'm going to take them at their word. But if they did have interest in selling the team, I do think that we need to take a moment to appreciate what the DeWitts have done for this Cardinals organization. We'll do that coming up in 15 minutes. But coming up next, Eddie Olchuk, ahead of the the Blues versus the Blackhawks game tonight in the preseason. Want to talk to him about Brandon Sod and a huge offseason for the Blackhawks. What's he expect from them? Eddie O next on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Ferrario, he's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Blues versus Blackhawks tonight. Pre-game coverage with, yes, the one and only Alex Ferrario begins right here on 101 ESPN at 630. And Eddie Olchuk is going to be on the call for the Blackhawks as well. He joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Eddie, we appreciate the time as always. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Hope you're well. Absolutely. Same to you. So I, I did, just, if I could ask if the Cardinals lost at all, have they lost? <laughs> they, they did. They lost two nights ago. They ended up finally finding a way to get back on track last night. That one game losing streak was tough for us here. Eddie. And you know, the best yeah, part about it, you, the best, yeah, you talk, you talk about a heater. I mean, that's a heater. That's, that's a heater and a half there. So, uh, wow. What a, what a run. And, uh, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, growing up as a big hockey fan here in Chicago and, I remember that the Flyers, I mean, I should be able to remember this. But I, I'm going to say it was the late 70s. They went on a run where I think they went like 30, maybe 33 oh my games God. without losing. Like, I mean, again, back in the day, they had the ties. We didn't have the, we didn't have the skills competition to end games in the shootout <laughs> as we do now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, what a, I mean, what a run by the Cardinals and, uh, it's always it it it, uh, it certainly gets your attention, you know. Being a former player in the league for 16 years and and now broadcasting, you know, when when you, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm a big sports fan, but any sport that you watch and you see a team that just it doesn't matter. They know when they put on the skates or the spikes, 
and they get into the blue paint or they get into the batter's box or they grab the, you know, they get on the bump. They know they're going to win. Like they, you know, like it's just a, it's an incredible feeling. I played on a team in, in New York with the Rangers in 94 and, I think we went on a run where we went, I think, 16, 17 games without losing. And I'll be honest with you, it didn't matter when we landed. It didn't matter when we got in uh, the night before. It didn't matter if we if we had a, an all-nighter. We, we were going to win. Like, you know, we just we just knew we were going to win. And I'm sure that's the way that the Redbirds probably felt over that last little run there. So uh, pretty fun to see from my... I will have to say, full disclosure, a Cubs fan admiring <laughs> what the hell a Cardinals team was able to do and, and, and go on a run like that. Eddie, a lot of blue or a lot of St. Louis yeah. fans are actually remembering the 2019 Blues Cup run as well because that team went from being the worst to sure. ending up, sure. you know, winning the Stanley yeah. Cup that season. Right. What, what is that like when you're a player that's going through that? You described it a little bit there, but what is that feeling like when you go to the rink every day or for the Cardinals yeah. right now? They're going to the field every day and they just they sincerely believe that they're going to win the next game. What is that like yeah. as a player? Well, you just feel faster. You just feel stronger. You just feel more confident in yourself. And, you know, whether you get down 0-2 in the box or you get down 2 nothing in a game, you're like, okay, we got this. We're, you know, we're good. We don't know. No, no excitement, no panic. And, you know, somebody's going to step up. And I mean, I'm sure you guys can reel off, you know, the success, you know, back in, in when the Blues went on their run. And, you know, obviously the Redbirds here recently have, you know, it's not always, okay, you need the big guys, you know, like, I mean, you need your big guys. To, you know, to, to come through, but you're going to need your, you know, your role players. You're going to need, you know, some pinch hitter to get a big hitter. You're going to need some, you know, 13 forward to score a big goal. And, and, and that's the, all. I mean, really that's team. I mean, there is no doubt, but I always said this, I mean, when I was coaching in Pittsburgh a handful of years ago and, and kind of really learned this, you know, towards the end of my career, but everybody, everybody has a role. I mean, really, I guess you can look at it in any company or any sports team, any businesses, everybody's got a role. Yeah. Everybody wants to be the owner. Everybody wants to be the person making decisions, but in order for that to happen, you need a lot of different pieces. And, you know, is there, is a person that has a role in, in a, on a team or in a company or in a business, you got to do two things. You got to accept and you got to execute. And to me, the teams and the businesses and the corporations uh, that have success, are the ones that have everybody buying in and yeah, you know, the pay scales are different and you know, somebody's piece is a little bit bigger than the others. But when you have people that are buying in, uh, that really makes it. So I just think that in remembering from the playing days is that they're just, there's just nothing like it. I mean, you just feel it, whether you're, you know, you're sitting on the bench and yeah, maybe it's a close game or whatever. And you know, no, nobody's getting excited. You know, nobody's, I mean, if anything, everybody's, you know, probably busting chops more than anything else and having a good time and saying, yeah, you know, we got, we got it. We'll, you know, we'll get one here in the next two minutes and then we'll score an empty netter and then we'll jump on the bus and uh, we'll go do it again the next time we play. So it's, it's an incredible feeling and having been a very small part of a, 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 a very important, being a part of easy for me to say, being a very small part of a team that won the Stanley cup in, in 1994 with the New York Rangers. I thought I knew how I th- I thought I knew what it took to win, but I didn't realize how hard it was to win. And I think anybody that you talk to in any sport, when they do win the ultimate prize, they were like, wow, that, that's, that's oh, that. Okay. Now I get it. Like, like this is, it's not easy. And uh, regardless if it's hockey or baseball or what have you.
Uh, Eddie, speaking of knowing how to win, uh, the Blackhawks are getting somebody back this season that knows all about that, and that's their captain, Jonathan Taves. How how big of an addition is that this season for the Blackhawks, now back in the Central Division, to get their leader back? Well, I I think they're extremely happy for uh you know a handful of reasons obviously you know he seems to be healthy i had a chance to interview him uh the other night in uh, the game that he had played they had lost to detroit in a shootout but you know i think just seeing him out there and and, and feeling you know feeling good you know just you know he's not where he wants to be by any stretch i mean he hadn't played a hockey game i think it was in 407 days and he finally was out there. So you look, it's going to, it's going to take some time. I mean, the biggest question mark everybody wants to know, is he going to be, you know, is he going to be in the lineup on October 13th opening night in Colorado when the Blackhawks kicked off the season on TNT. And, you know, I think that, I think the jury's still out, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think I thought I saw his name on the roster for tonight. I'm not yeah. sure if he is going to be in or not, but you know, look at I, I think that anytime that you can add an experienced guy, a veteran guy, somebody that has you know won three Stanley Cups and gold medals, and you know winning all kinds of individual trophies, uh, you know certainly it helps everybody around. And then you start slotting certain players in certain situations, and I think that that's you know that's the thing. Look, the Blackhawks spent a lot of money this summer. General Manager Stan Bowman spent a lot of money, made a couple of moves, uh, you know, bring in a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, bring in a guy like Seth Jones, bring in a guy like Tyler Johnson. You know, I could go on and on. So, you know, this is a team that has expectations and, you know, it's a tough, I mean, look at it. It's a, it's a brutal division. I mean, this, this is old, you know, this is the old Chuck Norris division, like back in the day. I mean, you know, you, you got to make a case for five or six teams, in my opinion, and say, yeah, if they can stay healthy and they get good goaltending, yeah, why not? You know, look at Colorado's the class of the division. I think we would probably all agree on that. And then to me, I, I look at Winnipeg to be, you know, I don't think Winnipeg's getting enough respect um, around the league, let alone in the division. I think that they've made a couple of real key acquisitions on the back end. Their defense took a major hit a couple of years ago. They've kind of replenished that here recently with getting in veteran guys and Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. And I mentioned the changes in Chicago, you know, the Blues being very active. Great to see Army be rewarded for the great job he's done with, a, I think, a five-year contract extension. So congratulations to Army. Well-deserved. And, you know, Dallas is another team, too, guys, where, you know, last year, I mean, take you know, include COVID in it because they had issues with that. I mean, they had a boatload of injuries themselves last year, and I look at their, you know, their team and I look at their top three defensemen and go, geez, you know, like those guys are, you know, those guys are pretty good. And mm-hmm. so I, it's, it's a, it's going to be an interesting dynamic in a division. And I talk a lot about it, but the top, you know, the first 20 games, I don't believe you can make the playoffs the first 20 games, uh, but I think you can certainly miss the playoffs in the first 20 games. And I can think how close the division is going to be. And I know what the blues did, a couple of years ago, we, we all understand that that's not the way that Army drew it up, right? Like he didn't say, "Well, uh, let's just let's hit rock bottom, and then I'm not going to move this guy, move this guy." I think we can turn it around, and all of a sudden they got some goaltending, and there they were hoisting the Stanley Cup. So long-winded, and, and get back to Jonathan Taves. Uh, you know, look, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him, and we'll see if he's in the lineup opening night. But it's it's a it's a huge ad after not playing all last season. Eddie Olchuk joining us for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN. Eddie, the final question that I had for you, I wanted to get your perspective on Brandon Saad, one of the big money uh-huh. acquisitions that the yep. Blues made this offseason. And there are very few people that have seen more of Brandon Saad's yep. career than you have. What are yep. the Blues getting in this guy? They, they signed him and everybody, of course, is excited about the goal production. What else are they yep. getting in Brandon Saad? 
Yeah, I mean, look, at if, if you had asked me, and, and, and I haven't been asked this question, I've been asked a lot about solder, but just the aspect of the goal-scoring aspect. Look, like I think that, to me, if, if, if he can get in that 25 range because of the things that he can do, and again, I don't know how Chief is going to use him. The one thing I was shocked at, I said on a national broadcast last year at NBC, uh, I know it didn't go over too well in the state of Colorado, but uh, I, I was really surprised that he wasn't killing penalties. Like Brandon Sod is a, is a you know is a very very good penalty killer. Uh, he didn't kill penalties. I mean at all last year in Colorado. Now, if Chief decides to use him in a penalty killing situation, and if Chief would ask me, uh, I would certainly give my stamp of approval on that. But is he going to get second power play you know minutes? Is he going to kill penalties? So I mean. You know, like if he's on a number one power play unit, maybe he's able to get up to that 30-goal plateau. But I, I would pencil him in. I, I would be really surprised uh, if he's not a guy that can't get to the 25 goals. And look, at he, he's, uh, he's a, you know, I want to say he's a straight-line player. He can get in on the four-check. I think he's a very intelligent player and, uh, you know, is a heck of a signing by Army. I know that there were a couple of teams that actually got a couple of calls from uh, a few other teams uh, International Hockey League kind of trying to get a, you know, a character check, which was immediate uh, and also, you know, kind of lay of the land and, and look at, I, I just thought that uh, it was an excellent signing there, uh, you know, by Army and uh, I would expect Sauter to have a, a tremendous year, uh, health included. And uh, look, I think if he could get you, if he could get you 25 and, uh, you know, 38 to 40 assists, uh, I think that would be a, a huge add on a, on a very good, and a very deep forward team, uh, in my opinion, in the St. Louis Blues. Eddie, we appreciate you hopping on with us today. All the best to you and the Blackhawks this season when they're not playing the Blues, and we look forward to talking with you again soon, my friend. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for hopping on. That's Eddie Olchuk joining us here on 101 ESPN. Do you think that Brandon Saad is going to be a significant piece to this this PK this year? 100% I think so. I think that's why they brought him and Pavel Buchnevich in, not just to help with the goal scoring, but to put on the penalty kill as well because Shane Schwartz was a penalty killer for you, and now he's gone. So now you got somebody to step in. And look, the loss of Alexander Steen last season, we talked an awful lot about it, but that was a penalty killer, and you didn't have that fix. Sunquist is going to miss the start of the season. I would anticipate Saad being one of the higher minutes guy on the penalty kill. I did find it interesting, by the way. I was reading uh, Jeremy Rutherford the other day, I believe it was, who mentioned that they've flipped roles. Jim Montgomery is now the penalty kill coach, and they've switched Steve Ott to the power play Mm -hmm. coach. And that that happened, I guess, midway through last year was when they flipped roles on that and then now they're just going to keep them that way um i i don't know what to make of that probably nothing it's just a, a role shift but uh when when they initially hired jim montgomery i know one of the things that we were very excited about was what he was going to do with the power play yeah him being back on the penalty kill is interesting to me and uh, i'll be curious to see how he does decide to use brandon sod on that unit. well look right now and i know it's preseason and they say you can't read too much into it because of the talent level but they've had seven power penalty kill opportunities so far in three games and they've allowed one power play goal so penalty kills look good so far but again you got to take the talent level into consideration you've been listening to bk about the preseason thing again he told me that about baseball where he's drinking his santinis or margaritas back in the office he's drinking sangrias. steve santinis yeah sangrias. Sangrias. he's drinking a sangria yeah spring training never matters
T-Bone. Oh, I, you Never. read into everything in spring training and in Blues preseason. Never. Hockey. Blues last year were seventh in power play. They finished the season 24th in penalty kill. That is certainly an area that they had a lot of room for improvement. So if Brandon Sod can help in that area, it is going to be a welcomed addition for sure. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, you give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go coming up at 115 today. Coming up next, though, yeah, we heard him. You did as well. I know what Mike Shannon said yesterday. We'll react to it next on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario, he's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go in the next segment and one got to go. All right, we've seen the text. We've seen the tweets. Yes, we saw what Mike Shannon said yesterday. Here's what it sounded like. Credit to KMOX, the Cardinals radio network for this call. The word on the street is that they're going to sell this franchise. We won't get a better duo, I'll tell you that, than the two DeWitts. Mike Shannon is connected. Mike Shannon has spent 50 years in the Cardinals broadcast booth. And by the way, a huge congratulations to him. This is going to be an awesome weekend for Mike Shannon and the Cardinals radio broadcast in general as they send him off into retirement. That's a big statement to make if you're Mike Shannon. I have no idea how much truth there is to that. I do know that the Cardinals immediately spoke out against this, whether it be Bill DeWitt III, who said to Derek Gould, no, there is no truth to that rumor. The Cardinals front office said, no, there is no truth to this rumor. I don't know what to believe. I have no idea if the DeWitts have or are trying to sell, and I would not suggest that I do. However, Alex, I do want to say this. Bill DeWitt Jr. and Bill DeWitt III have been fantastic for Cardinals fans. And I know there have been frustrations at times. I've had my own frustrations at times with not how much they're spending, but the way that they spend their money and their lack of interest in some of the long-term deals that I do think they should have been interested in. That being said, the success that this organization has had under the DeWitt family is unimpeachable. It's remarkable. It's among the best in all of baseball. And to do so in the market that is St. Louis, we're not talking about New York or L.A. or Chicago. It is a smaller market that spins above its means. And yes, the fans make that possible. But the fans are reacting to winning baseball that was made possible at first by the DeWitts. I do think they deserve a ton of credit for that. So if you're somebody right now that heard that from Mike Shannon, you're saying, yes, absolutely. This is great. Slow your roll a little bit. We don't know if it would be great or not. You have no idea what the new ownership group, if there were ever to be one, would do with the team. So I do want to first give credit to this DeWitt family for what they have done as the owners of this organization. 100%. And they deserve all the credit if it does go down this path. Now, for me, it's hard for me to believe that that's a thing. But again, where there's smoke, there's fire. And Mike Shannon knows this organization better than anybody in St. Louis. So, But if it does come down to it, you have to appreciate what the DeWitts have done. They have built a culture of winning here in St. Louis. They have built a system that other Major League Baseball teams have tried to mimic for so many years, some success 
successful, some nowhere near the success that the Cardinals have had. And the DeWitts have been the center point of all this. And look, it's not just the Cardinals team on the field. It's the experience that they have built in downtown St. Louis. I mean, if it wasn't for the DeWitts, you don't have the game day experience that you have right now of Ballpark Village, of Bush Stadium, outside of Bush Stadium. I mean, they have turned... Cardinals games into a full day event rather than just getting tickets and going down to the ballpark, which a lot of teams can't say that they have had the success with. So tip of the cap to to these gentlemen, if it, it does come down to this, but uh, again, I, I kind of stand firm on the fact that it's hard for me to believe that it would come down to that because we're about to get back to normal and that's where the DeWitts are, DeWitts are going to flourish. Yeah, and they've they've built the ballpark village area and they've got apartments that are up over there. They've got a hotel that's up over there. Obviously, all of the shopping, the office uh, space that's like they're they're making money off of that, but they also have to pay for that stuff. And part of what helps to pay for that is the Cardinals being really good. Having more people in downtown is a good thing for the DeWitts right now. And when their team is good and they have ownership over whether or not the team is good, it, it all goes together, right? It's all a, a vertical process that they're able to have there, which helps them. I would be surprised if Bill DeWitt Jr. was looking to sell specifically right now. Could they sell five years from now? Maybe. I have no idea. I don't know what their plans are with the team, with downtown. I have no idea, and I would never pretend to. But let's go into this hypothetical scenario for a moment, because I know this is something that Cardinals fans have been talking a lot about over the last 24 hours now since Mike Shannon's comments. If they were to sell, and again, I don't think they're going to, but if they were What are some of the things that you would want in the next ownership group? Because I have like a starting point, a baseline for what has to be a part of it is it has to be local. It has to be a local group that is taking place that is from St. Louis that will make sure that this team is owned by St. Louisans, whether they moved here at some point in their life or whatever. But people that are from here that understand what it means to be the Cardinals that is the the very starting point of any negotiation that would have to take place for this ownership. Yeah, hundred percent. That has to be the number one priority here, but also has a gauge with the fans. I mean, we've seen what 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 Steve Cohen has done with the New York Mets now. Who's I don't really care about being on social media or whatnot, but he he's available to the fan base, right? Like they have questions, he has answers, and he has answers immediately, and he backs his answers up. Not saying that the DeWitts don't do that, but you want somebody else who do can you think do that. that w- do you think that would go over well here? I don't think it would. If you had somebody that was as active on social media in St. Louis as what you're seeing from Steve Cohen in New York, I actually think that would be a bad thing here. Uh, I don't think so because, I mean, look, the DeWitts are very, very – in tune with the fan base as well. They do this on the flagship station for KMOX. They're talking all the time. I mean, they're giving responses right away when Mike Shannon makes these comments. So uh, it depends on how you are on Twitter, because if you're, if you're just looking for dynamite, if you're looking for fire, if I'm you're talking about what we see from Steve Cohen, but I think Steve Cohen's been good for baseball and for that team. Now, maybe it doesn't go over well because here a lot of people are old school, but I think you're always trying to bring in a new generation. I think that's beneficial there, but I also think you need somebody with deep pockets. I think you need somebody to match what the DeWitts have always been oh, able to absolutely. do and and spending money to make competitive teams. I mean, it's what Tom Stillman has done with this Blues team, and I know there's no salary cap in baseball, but if it ever got to that point, you want somebody who's going to spend to the salary cap. I think you want somebody that's going to spend. I think you want somebody that views this as a public institution, a public framework, because if you 
if you have somebody that's doing this as a business model, they're not going to spend the way that the DeWitts have. It's just not going to happen. Um, and they're going to go probably closer to $100 million per year on the payroll, and that's going to hurt their ability to compete. Um, you want somebody that views winning as being the single most important thing. And for a lot of owners across baseball, a lot of owners across sports, frankly, winning is not the most important thing to them. The most important thing is making sure that the bottom line at the end of the year is in the black. And if they go into the red, they want the next year to make sure that thing is back into the black. So there are a lot of things about this ownership group that have gone very well for Cardinals fans that wouldn't necessarily be that way if things were to be shifted into new hands. The grass is not always greener. And I know that there are frustrations at times, like I said, myself included with this ownership group. But overall, on the whole, when you look at the ledger, and there's a heck of a lot more in the positive than there is in the negative side of things for the DeWitts. I don't think they're going to sell. I don't expect that to be the case. Same. But when Mike Shannon says something like that on the broadcast, you have to at least acknowledge it because Mike Shannon is in the know. And he's been in that broadcast booth for 50 years, and he doesn't just say things like that. For no reason. there's He's probably heard that somewhere. <laughs> now, whether or not there's any truth to it, who knows? Sometimes it's a game of telephone that you have no idea where it got started and that it ends up with somebody blurting it out on, on the radio. But uh, Mike Shan is connected in a way that we have to at least respond to something like that when he says it out loud on a broadcast, just as the Cardinals did yesterday when they shot down any rumors, any notion that they're going to be selling the team. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. If there's anything more on this story, we'll certainly talk about it as it develops. But for now, I, I think this is kind of where we're at. I think we're going to be in a holding pattern for as long as we have to be until anything actually real comes out on this. To 115, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. One got to go next on 101 ESPN. Before we get to one's got to go, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. Reminder, if you missed it earlier today, the Cardinals have announced, or really Derek Gould has reported, that Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals have agreed on a deal for his return in 2022. That press conference will be, of my, my understanding is we'll play that press conference announcing Wayno's return live coming up at yes. 2 o'clock right yep, here on we'll 101 ESPN. So be able, you'll be able to hear that right here coming up in about 40 minutes or so. All right, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. Let's start with this. This one's unfair. One got to go Cardinals edition. Oh. Yachty. Goldie, Arenado, or O'Neal? This sucks. I don't want to answer this. Well, wait, what are my four choices again? Yachty, Goldie, Arenado, or O'Neal? Oh, boy. Well, I'm not getting rid of Mr. 95%. So Arenado stays. Um, not getting rid of Yachty. Man, I guess I'll get rid of Goldschmidt. Because I hope Tyler O'Neill can be Paul Goldschmidt and he's younger. So, yeah, I'll get rid of uh, Paul Goldschmidt. St. Louis, please don't hate me. I'm trying to go back to back with the boys. Six sellies. St. Louis, please don't hate me. You're going to get rid of Yachty. I think you? I'm going to say the same thing that you are. I'm getting rid of Yachty. 
Goldie's unbelievable offensively so far this year. Arnado's fantastic as well. Not only is O'Neal great offensively, he gives great quotes, like you said, even though you just made one up for Six him again. with the boys. That's never, he's never once said yeah, that. He, did. Never. he said it, no. he said it a couple no. of times. I, yeah. And I love Yachty. He's the only catcher I've ever seen in a Cardinals uniform in my whole lifetime. But he's on the back end of his career. And if you give me three guys in their prime, then I'm sorry. I have to get rid of them. Yeah, it's, it's the right answer. Yadier Molina is at the end of his career. Oh, well, my answer's wrong? Correct. Bingo. Yadier Molina is at the end of his career. Next year is Trash. expected to be the final year that he's in a Cardinals uniform. Meanwhile, Goldschmidt's playing at a borderline MVP level. Arenado is going to be the next Yadier Molina in terms of the face of your franchise. Tyler O'Neill is playing again at a top seven-ish MVP level right now. If you have to get rid of one of these four, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear you got to go with Yadier Molina, at least in my mind, unfortunately, and that's, oh. that's not easy to do. All I heard is both of you guys say you hate Yadi. That's exactly what I said. Yadi, yadi, One's got to go. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. One got to go smartphone features. Video camera. Picture camera. Bluetooth capability or streaming on your phone? Video, picture, Bluetooth, or streaming. One's got to go. It's like watching videos, edition. right? Okay. Oh, then what's the streaming? Streaming. I would watching call that videos. watching videos. Yeah, no. what, are, what were you Video camera about? being videotaping oh, okay. Things. Well, that's what I thought, but then when you said that, I got confused. I think I'd get rid of the videotaping thing. What? A, you I'm don't not, have a kid. I'm not blogging. True that, yo. <laughs> I ain't blogging. You know, I'm not not on YouTube going, what's up, YouTube? It's T-Bone here. We're going to break down some stuff. Might so, be able you know, to get some I, dates I if that, you did that so every once in a while. I don't need the video. Uh, well, I can't get rid of the video or the pictures because, yep. let's be honest, that's my life these days. I can show you some pictures if you guys want to see in the nah, commercial okay, break. man. Um, streaming or Bluetooth? I'll get rid of Bluetooth. I don't really know what I use Bluetooth for anymore. Like, Bluetooth doesn't hook up to my car. I got the, the iPhone connector. I know you hook up to, like, typically headphones, but I know when you go to the grocery store, you're wearing the over-the-ear yeah, Beats right. by Dre headphones, yeah, so don't you don't need, need that either. And, I mean, I don't really connect it to Bluetooth in my house as much because I'll just play it off of my phone. So, yeah, I'll get rid of Bluetooth. I'm going Bluetooth as well. I know. Actually, I'm with you. Tanner, I'm with you. I'm going video camera. Okay, well, let's wait till you have a kid. Exactly. Well, we'll do I don't have. No, I don't have. Won't. Oh, sorry. I don't have one right now. I don't have a child. So if I had to get rid of one of these today, as a 28 year old BK and not a 35 year old BK, I'm going with a I'm video. Trying, I'm trying to even imagine what BK would be recording. That would be like concerts. Is that kind of your thing? Record. I don't really do a yeah, lot of video. BK seems like either. a video guy at concerts, doesn't he? Stands up yeah. in front of somebody, blocking it, and he's BK, like, "Hold on, I gotta get a video of this I, guitar player." I'm actually the guy that hates when people do that. Okay. So no, that's not me. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line for one's gotta go, one gotta go dip edition. Oh yeah, hummus, spinach, and artichoke, seven layer or French onion. Which one's gotta go, Alex? Seven layers at like cheese or where am I going with seven layer? Cheese, dip? guac, beans. Yeah. Um, well, you can stop there because I'm getting rid of that. Okay, not a big state. guac guy. You know, I used to not be a hummus guy, but my wife has has made this like black bean hummus. I've been eating that like crazy these days. I love me some spinach artichoke dip, fresh out of the oven. French onion dip is the goat. So yeah, I'll get rid of the seven layer dip, beans and guac. Come on now, refried beans, sour cream, guac, salsa, cheese, green onions, and yeah, olives or tomatoes. Those are the seven. That's disgusting vomit in a cup right there it's delicious i i i would get rid of that i i'm not a big fan of the spinach one though really either but 
not as bad as I am with a seven dip layer. BK looks like the guy that's like, can I get my guac at the table, please, right now? I, I don't know. I'm, I do kind of get that vibe, actually. Yeah. I was a server. I'm not a jerk to servers. You guys know this. Unless you don't have your block. I've heard differently. I play the role of a jerk on this show, but I promise I'm not one. Also, BK videotapes fireworks. That might be the ultimate worst. Okay. Um, French onion dip is trash. I'm out on I could not be more out on French How onion dip. How is that dip. trash? They made chips based off of French onion that dip. Is Those are nasty the too. the goat of dip. Yeah, I'm out. It's terrible. It's not good. I know people like it. Everybody loves it. Anytime that you go with, like, if there's a party that you need something to bring, French onion dip is always a crowd pleaser. But because, I hate it. I dislike it. I'm BK out. needs his guac. BK, That's right. He doesn't like Yachty. Right and to my table like right French now. Someone get me my guac. My chips are getting cold. What? 65780 is the air comfort service X line. One gotta go. Money is no object edition. So you could buy whatever you want. <laughs> One's gotta go. BK's daily life because he's got a Peloton. That's right. That's I do fact. have a Peloton now. A Tesla, an island, a private plane, or a pro sports team. Tesla, island, oh. private plane, or pro sports team. I feel like one of these doesn't belong. Can yeah. I start? Yeah, please. The Tesla. I have no interest. Thank you. Really? Have no. you ever driven one of those things? Yeah, but they're, it's like, amazing. they're not that expensive. <laughs> have you driven one? Yeah, my uncle has one. Okay. And he let me drive it all the time. We went zero to 100. And I'm the money back. I thought I was going to die. But B, it was But they're it was not incredible. that expensive, if I'm not mistaken. They're like 50,000 bucks, right? Okay. And the upgrades can be if there's something that goes wrong. That's fine. But like, hey. You, money's no object. You just put an island in a yeah. private jet and a sports team, and you just brought a Tesla in here? I can buy an island, or I can get a car that's not yeah. all that dissimilar from a lot of other cars See, that I could get. I don't know if I'd want the island. Oh I my would God. love a Tesla. I would love the island. Island? You wouldn't want a private island? You just heard BK say, I put headphones on when I go to the grocery store. I don't care less about a private island. I'll get just, me an island. Nah, get, I'll get rid of the island here. Sports team? Are you kidding me? I would be Mark Cuban if I owned a sports team. Front row celebrating with the team and not every a very single good team. day. Uh, does he have a championship ring? Yeah, he does. Yeah. That's what I feel, LeBron. It was a very sad day for me. Yeah. Uh, all right, six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line for one's got to go. You give us four options, we'll tell you which one's got to go. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, joining us here in about five minutes or so. One got to go. Marvel edition, Marvel character edition. Iron Man, Spider Man, Star Lord, or Thor. Iron Man, Spider-Man, Star-Lord, or Thor? One gotta go MCU edition. I think I'll get rid of Thor. Star-Lord is kind of Thor has one of guy. the best movies, though. Ragnarok's fantastic. I'm not a big fan of Ragnarok, honestly. What? Really? Not a big fan of Ragnarok. How? I don't know. Just not a big Thor okay. fan in general. So well, that's I think a I'd bad take. I was going to get rid of Star-Lord really because take. he's just kind of a normal guy, but he's too funny. So I'm going to keep him. Spider-Man's awesome. Iron Man's awesome. So I'll get rid of Thor. By the way, recommend the What If series on Disney+. Plus. really bad Did take. it end up coming around? Uh, yeah, I know it's been early pretty good. I think they're getting fan. ready to wrap up. It was I'm really going good. through them again. Man, I love the Marvel Universe. So great. So great. Uh, I'm getting rid of Spider-Man. <gasps> Not big on Spider-Man here. <laughs> like, cool, you th- you spin webs. Way to go, man. Okay. Way to go, man. That's a, that's a worse take. No, yeah. it's not. That's a bad one. Yeah. No, it's really not. I got to go Star-Lord. I'm You're a, upset about getting rid of Ragnarok. Those are two of the best movies in the whole universe. They're very good, but the universe doesn't really exist without Thor. And I understand Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy is a big part of it as well. I, I get that, but 
I can't get rid of some of the like Sp- Spider-Man and Iron Man have to be here. Spider-Man, so, they can't even decide who Spider-Man is. I had to get three different okay. actors for it. The, the most recent that wasn't Marvel's fault. That was so- Sony, Sony, Sony. Yeah, um, Iron Man's fantastic, and he's one of the originals. Same with Spider-Man. I. It comes down for me to Star-Lord versus Thor, and my favorite movie probably, not the best, but my favorite movie to watch of all of the MCU movies is probably Ragnarok, so I'm not getting rid of that one, so I'm going to keep around Thor. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for one's got to go. Final question for you guys. Batman, too. He's cool. Video games are fun, too. One's got to go St. Louis Champion Edition. Oh, boy. 99 Rams, 19 Blues, 11 Cardinals, or 06 Cardinals. If you had to get rid of one, one's got to go Rams, Blues, 06, or 11 cards. I feel like this is easy, but maybe not. And I love all of those. I think I'd get rid of the 06 Cardinals. 11 was a very special run. The 19 Blues was a very special run. And 99 was quite possibly one of the best offenses we've ever seen in NFL history. And it was here in St. Louis. 06, that's a that's a great run too. But I just don't, and maybe it's because I don't remember a lot of it. But they didn't go on a really big run, and they weren't weren't the best team in baseball. So I think that's why I'd get rid of it. As much as I hate to say this, I think I'd get rid of the 11 Cardinals. I, I really liked that wow. 06 Cardinals. That the, the the roster was so much fun to watch, and like. You, you know, you, you had Roland Edmonds and Pujols, which was so much fun. That's you, the thing. But you also got to see Carp and Wayno. And you didn't get Wayno in 2011, which which stinks a little bit. That 06 run was pretty special. I mean, I, it doesn't get as much talk as 2011 because of the run that happened first in September, the collapse, and then the final day, and then everything that took place, of course, in game six and moving forward. Man, that Mets series was incredible. They were supposed to lose. I think it was Bob Nightingale wrote they should lose in three against the Tigers because they were such yeah. an underdog. And then the Tigers, as we know, swept in their CS. The Cardinals went to game seven. And that's the only title you have with the MV3. And I, I, I wouldn't want to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. If I'm getting rid of one, and I know this is now with the benefit of hindsight, I think I'm getting rid of the 99 Rams. And I know that's tough to do so, but they're... I know they're part of our history, but they're no longer part of our present. So I would like to keep that 19 run for the Blues because of how special that was. Same thing for the 11 run. If I had to choose between the 06 Cardinals and the 99 Rams, it's hard to do so. 99 was special, man. Kurt Warner was incredible in that story, everything about it. I think I would go with the 99 Rams as the team that I would get rid of. So that... That'd be the one. Me probably still being a Rams fan probably hurts in my opinion. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not even a Rams fan anymore, but it's just one of those things where it's like it was the it was the championship for the city, you know, and and like you said, I mean, it 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 was a jump starter for other offenses in the National Football League for how good that team truly was. So Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over with the fast lane coming up at about 15 minutes or so. We will also give away the final pair of tickets that we have to give away to Cardinals versus Cubs for this weekend's game. We'll do that at 145. But coming up next, we're going to catch up with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Alex 
Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Tonight, the Blues back in action with preseason action against the Blackhawks. Pre-game coverage with the one and only Alex Ferrario coming up at 630 right here on your home for the Blues, 101 ESPN. And right now, we're talking to the voice of the Blues via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He is Chris Kerber joining us here on the show. Curbs, what's going on, man? Fellas, just getting ready for another road trip. Looking forward to it and having a good day. How about you guys? Uh, doing very well. So what has been your biggest impression? We've now seen three preseason games from the Blues. What's your the overall takeaway for Chris Kerber from the first three preseason games is what? Uh, so far, I've liked some of the game that we've seen from Robert Thomas. Um, I've been very impressed even in just uh, the one game with Butchnevich. Uh, but, but I really liked what I saw there uh, throughout practices and you know, going to the rink and seeing them, I, th- I think the chemistry as well we're seeing with, with Saad and Thomas appears to be something pretty good to look forward to. So I, I think that's there on that end. I, you know, I think a guy that, because of Scott Perunovich and all that, probably isn't getting talked enough defensively yet. And, and, and even though I think his game was just okay in Columbus, uh, I, I think Jake Wallman's had a very solid camp. And, and I, you can kind of see him kind of coming in with the comfortability and confidence uh, earned by playing really well in the – you know, 25, 30 games that he played last season with the team. So those are some of the early observations I've gotten. Curbs, uh, speaking of Perunovic and Wallman, both are in action tonight. And uh, we talked to Joey about this yesterday, and I asked him if that's what that final defensive spot battle looks like. And he said those two and Nico Mikola. Who do you feel like from your perspective is is in front so far after three games? Well, uh, listen, I think, I, I think Nico Mikola uh, is is ready to be on an NHL squad. Um, and, and frankly, it appears that Jake Wallman is too. And that's from what we've seen from last year. That's also from what we've seen from their, their time down in the American Hockey League. And interestingly enough, you know, I know because you know, kind of most recently we've seen guys come on the scene and, and they make an immediate, immediate impact like a Kale McCarr or what have you. But, you know, I'll go back to, say, the early 2000s and take a look at a guy like Bryce Salvador that ends up with a terrific 14-year NHL career playing 750 games in between St. Louis and, and the New Jersey Devils. And and he spent three full seasons in the American Hockey League getting ready before things opened up here in St. Louis for him. And when he did, he was seasoned and ready to go. I really think that, that Wallman and Mikola are seasoned and ready to go and just need to be given the chance. Probably, you know, not all too different than what we're seeing with some of the Cardinals outfielders, right? They opened up some spots that they just need to be given a chance to play and play. And I think that's where we're at with those two guys. The only reason that I think those two guys kind of get the edge over Perunovic, who's had a very good camp, by the way, so far, is just the fact that Perunovic has played so little hockey over the last little while. So, you know, but but it is a heck of a battle. And, and at some point in time this season, at some point in time this season, because of the way things go in the National Hockey League with defensemen, you are going to see all three guys up here at some point. Curves earlier today, we talked to Eddie Olchuk and he, we asked him about what he, what he had seen previously from Brandon Saad and what he could potentially bring to the blues. And he mentioned, Hey, I I think he's going to be a really good penalty killer. That's what he was in Chicago. He was surprised that they didn't use him that way in Colorado. And he thinks he could be a valuable asset in that regard here in St. Louis. The PK was one of the big questions about this team going into this upcoming season after a disappointing year on that unit a year ago. What have you seen from them in that regard? I know it's the preseason. It's kind of hard to judge, but what have you seen in terms of the units that you're they're using on the PK and just overall effectiveness thus far? Yeah, you know, you know what, Brandon. It, first off, it's it's an excellent point 
because the Blues were not good on the penalty kill last year, below 78% by the time the season ended. So they needed to upgrade. They definitely, without a shred of doubt, need to get better on the penalty kill. And that's critically important when you want to play that heavier physical style that Craig Berube's teams like to play and the bigger type of players that the Blues have now brought in again for this upcoming season. I haven't been able to really judge much on the penalty kill. It's been good, but we haven't seen the lineup where you're really looking at the penalty killers. But what I can tell you is I agree completely with Eddie on that one, that Brandon Sott has the smarts and the ability to play on the penalty kill. And then, of course, we already know that Butchnevich can play on the penalty kill. So right then and there, you've got two guys that I think that are going to upgrade that shorthanded situation when it does happen for the Blues. So I think they're going to be okay. I still think, though, with, with having another two weeks of camp left, uh, and, and still so many of the younger players part of camp. You know, the Blackhawks tonight are only playing their second preseason game, and the Blues are playing their fourth. So because of that, you know, I, I think there's still too many people around to really get a good eye on it. Middle of next week when we're in Minnesota, when we're in Dallas, and we're getting ready for Columbus to come back here, I think that's when we'll see it start to take shape. Gerbs, um, Blue our Blackhawks have Jonathan Taves in, in the game this evening, and I believe he played in their previous preseason game. Of course, missed all of last season. The Blues haven't seen the Blackhawks in, what, almost a year? Over a year when they played them in the bubble. Is Chicago going to be a lot more difficult of an opponent this season than what people are giving them credit for? Yeah, you know what? Chicago Chicago could really be a, a, a factor, and, and maybe even a bubble playoff team this year and 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 the reason is is and then a lot of that's going to also depend on on where is Taves health and 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 how is he doing it first off I'm I'm glad to see him back you know I know I know it's the enemy I know it's the rival you know but but Jonathan Taves has been such an amazing hockey player as Patrick Kane has been that I'm glad that he's back because I would have hated to have seen such a a terrific career you know end short because of what he was dealing with so I, I think that's you know, just the fan, the, the hockey fan in me is really happy to see that. But they, they've made some changes. You know, Seabrook, first off, they got lucky. Seabrook's career-ending injury took them out of what was a horrific contract. Could be maybe the worst long-term contract that the league has seen since long-term contracts really came into the fold. Uh, and then they went ahead and traded Duncan Keith to Edmonton, who I think is going to be absolutely a huge key for the Edmonton Oilers. In doing so, they pick up Seth Jones. And, and, they, and they brought him in. So they bring a guy that they think they're automatically bringing in a number one from Columbus. So put all, put all that together, they're going to be pretty solid. But to me, the ultimate difference for them is going to be Marc-Andre Fleury, who I expect to see in the game tonight. If Marc-Andre Fleury can bring to the Blackhawks what he brought to Vegas, and yes, I know Vegas is a better team, so you know so it's going to be a little more scrambling in Chicago. But Marc-Andre Fleury, if he's on his game, can still be an equalizer, and that is a huge pickup for the Blackhawks. So I, I do think they're going to be better and play more of a, of a factor in deciding who's in and who's out this year. He's Chris Kerber. You'll hear him tonight on the call for Blues versus Blackhawks preseason action right here at your home for the Blues 101 ESPN pregame coverage with Alex Ferrario beginning at 630. Easier for Alex to say than it is (laughs) for me to say. Kerbs, we're looking forward to the call tonight, man. Appreciate you hopping on with us as always. You got it, fellas. Have yourself an awesome weekend. Absolutely. Same to you. That's Chris Kerber joining us here on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over with the fast lane and give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to Saturday's Cardinals versus Cub game coming up next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN.
Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Hey, now's your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Cardinals take on the Cubs tomorrow night at Bush Stadium. 30,000 fans, ages 16 or older, will take home their very own Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead courtesy of Purina. Cardinals versus Cubs. You can check out all of the details. Cardinals.com slash promotions. Here's what you got to do. Be textured number 101 at 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you can tell us how much money on a per year basis Jim Bowden said he believes that Max Scherzer will make this offseason, you are going to go to the Cardinals versus Cubs with a pair of tickets. Extra number 101 at 65780. Time to cross things over with the fast lane. We've got BT in studio for a couple of moments. We're going to get out a little early so that way they can make sure they get to the Adam Wainwright press conference coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. BT, what's good, man? Man, just uh, living the dream. It's Cardinals. It's Cubs over the weekend. You got the wild card game coming up on Wednesday. Life is good. Hey, how much did Bowden say he was going to make? Hey, we'll get to that here in just a minute. Um, but a, a lot. A lot of money. Okay. Um, enough money that if you handed it to me, my life would be changed forever. And he is going to get it potentially on a per year basis. Let's what? put it this way. More than Trevor Bauer. That's More a than lot Trevor of money. Bauer. That's yeah. a lot of money. Look, he's earned it, I guess. I don't know if I could pony up that kind of cash for one starting pitcher. I don't know that. I think there are maybe two to three teams in all of baseball that would be willing to pony up. He's that on kind of one. Money. He, he is. <laughs> he's he's on, on one. one. I do wonder. So I don't think he'll go there. But I wonder if the Mets organization is like, you know what? What what would it look like if we had DeGrom and Scherzer at the front end of our rotation? I think it would look pretty good. Do you also think that they would figure out a way to screw it up? Yes. Because it's just kind of like well, how I gonna feel. Get hurt. Like everything is gone. Probably. Be- because that's how it goes. They've it had Syndergaard and DeGrom for the last five years, and they've had basically one healthy season from both of them at the same time. Yeah, I just don't I don't think that I could approach that kind of money. What, and what did Bauer make? I'm not going to give out the – because I know – 45 or 42-5. I can't sniff that kind of money. If you're the St. Louis Cardinals, you can't afford that. Yeah. You'd rather go get a shortstop and a DH, I would think, with that kind of cash. You could afford it. You shouldn't. Like that's that's it's where, not the best way to allocate your money, I correct. don't think. And yeah. I love Max Scherzer. I would love to have that dude. He's great, but if I'm going to spend, let's say, $170 million on my payroll overall, I'm not giving a third of that to a tremendous player, a great pitcher that I would love to have on my team, but... I mean, let's be honest here. $50 million a so year? I do be- think, and Scherzer, look, Scherzer, the only reason you're looking at a deal that's shorter in term is just due to the fact that he's 37 years Correct. old at this point. But I think that that is the next level we see in baseball is shorter deals, crazy AAVs. I mean, that's we're what basketball's see. doing. A lot of those guys are doing, hey, I'll take a one and one because I know the money's just going to keep going it up. Is. So why would I take the full max deal? Continue to bet on yourself. And I think that we're going to see a lot of guys do that because especially now as teams are smart with their cash and not giving these 10, 15-year deals up. And I know you're going to have your Fernando Tatis Juniors, and you're going to have your deals, your Bryce Harpers, your outliers. But for the most part, they're not extending past four or five years. You look at free agency last year. You just didn't see a lot of bigger-term deals. That's where it's going to end up, and that's where the pushback is going to come on the the uh, the when they go to a contract and try to figure this stuff out. Well, BT, I'm looking forward to your guys' show coming up from two to six. They've got the Adam Wainwright press conference live from out at Bush Stadium coming up here in just a little bit. We'll be back on Monday at eleven. Enjoy your week in St. Louis. Final weekend watching the Cardinals in the regular season before stuff really gets real. We'll talk to you guys on Monday at eleven right here on 101 ESPN.